safety. Only experienced truck drivers willing to risk their life can do it. No one else should apply. The 1970s was a great time to be an auteur filmmaker in the new Hollywood era. Some of the greatest American filmmakers blossomed in the 1970s after the collapse of the studio system and Hayes Code gave directors new freedom they had never experienced. A new generation took hold of that freedom to make art which has never been possible under a fairly restrictive regime. Francis Coppola, Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg all made incredible work during this time period. One of the most versatile and hardworking of these new Hollywood directors was Billy Friedkin. After flailing around at first trying to find a niche in documentary filmmaking and art films, Friedkin burst into the scene in 1971 with The French Connection. You ever been to Poughkeepsie? Huh? Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? Hey, come on, give me a break. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me hear you say it. Come on. Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? You've been to Poughkeepsie, haven't you? The French Connection took home five Oscars, including Best Actor for Gene Hackman and Best Director for Friedkin. His next entry couldn't have been more different. Showcasing how varied his talents could be, Friedkin took on The Exorcist. It couldn't have been a more controversial choice, earning both rave reviews, disgust and condemnation, especially by Catholics, although the Vatican no longer had the clout to stop it from being made, and became the highest grossing movie of 1973. A rarity for horror movies, Friedkin got 10 Oscar nominations, including for Best Picture, but only ended up taking home Best Adapted Screenplay. Tonight we are talking about a far more often ignored and at least at the time, critically panned entry in Friedkin's output. We're going to be talking about 1977's Sorcerer. One of the many controversies surrounding this movie is that it's widely understood to be a remake of The Wages of Fear. The Wages of Fear was a 1953 French thriller by Henri-Georges Clouseau. One of the most shocking French films of the 1950s, it was the story of four Europeans that get hired by an American oil company in Latin America. After the oil will get set on fire, they must travel 300 miles or 500 kilometers to the oil fields with an incredibly volatile nitroglycerin in trucks to cap it and put it out. The controversy is that, despite dedicating it to Clouseau and The Wages of Fear being one of his favorite movies, Freakin claims it is not a remake. Billy Freakin calls it a reimagining and thinks the films are significantly different. Freakin imagines a similar plot outline with all new characters and a far grittier documentary style. As Sorcerer has gotten reevaluated and looked at with some distance, some critics have wondered if the original distaste for Sorcerer comes from the belief that Freakin should not have reimagined a French classic. Ironically, some might say once again touching a sacrilegious project. Around the same time that the crew left for the Dominican Republic, Francis Ford Coppola was leaving for the Philippines to shoot Apocalypse Now. It's been speculated that part of Freakin's decision to turn Sorcerer from the side project into a big-budget movie he'd throw himself into was that he wanted the jungle epic like Apocalypse Now was rumored to be. Coppola's four-month proposed shoot in the Philippines would turn into a two-year epic that almost killed him as he turned into a Colonel Kurtz-like beast. Billy Freakin's journey into the Dominican Republic is similarly legendary. Freakin ended up replacing the entire film crew after getting into a dispute with cinematographer Dick Bush and also the onset Teamsters representative, which meant replacing the trucking crew. Many crew members got food poisoning, gangrene, injuries, and malaria. At least 50 people had to be replaced. Billy Friedkin was diagnosed with malaria after the shoot and had lost 50 pounds. In Mexico, an undercover agent found many of the crew members had drugs and they needed to be replaced. 
The movie has sequences shot in Jerusalem, New Mexico, Paris, and Veracruz as vignettes that were all shot on location. The bulk of the film, though, was shot in the Dominican Republic after Charles Bloodhorn, who was an oil billionaire that owned Gulf and Western and had purchased Paramount, invited Freakin to shoot on location. Gulf and Western had become one of the largest employers in the country after purchasing the La Romina Free Zone, which in 1976 was the subject of intense scrutiny. This, somewhat hilariously, led to even more controversy. Bars in this country, terrorists who blow up American oil wells are heroes. We're paying that government to give us protection. Our president cannot risk his liberal image by sending his troops to chase patriots. Friedkin's reimagining of the wages of fear looks at the American business role in Latin America and the exploitation of workers. Four men, fleeing different crimes, end up in a remote village in Colombia. The main character is an Irish gangster from New Jersey named Jackie Scalen. Frida can imagine this role played by Steve McQueen, but after McQueen backed out and several other actors passed on it, Freakin hired Roy Snyder. Roy Snyder had worked on The French Connection as Popeye Doyle's partner, but had since found huge acclaim with Jaws. You're gonna need a bigger boat. We also get Victor Manzin, a French banker who is accused of falsely representing 15 million francs in collateral a Palestinian political terrorist named Kassem, and a Mexican assassin named Nilo. They all end up in a small Colombian village working for an American oil company for barely any money. There is no difference between their exploitation and the exploitation of the massive Colombians also employed. An oil well explodes, and though anti-gringo terrorism is suspected, cannot be proven, and it's reported as an accident. This is where one of the biggest controversies came into play. The company is very clearly Gulf and Western. Friedkin infuriated Bloodhorn by even having him on the wall in the background in a corporate photo. 35 years later, in 2013, Friedkin was too paramount for not allowing him to screen the film. Like in The Wages of Fear, the only way to put out the fire caused by the explosion is nitroglycerin. However, this nitroglycerin has been improperly stored and so is so unstable that any bit of vibration could detonate all of it. It's for a long time without being turned up. If the nitro seeps out of the sticks, if you give those cases any kind of a bump, it blow. Our four protagonists are hired and offered higher wages at a time when everyone is living in poverty in the village to drive the nitroglycerin in trucks over rough and treacherous terrain 200 kilometers to the oil field. Friedkin and screenwriter Roland Green wanted to examine American business and its relationship with exploitation in Latin America. I think we get a devastating but ultimately uneven look into the life faced by workers in the Dominican, I mean, in Colombia. That means you don't think all the cuts will make. One of us is a bag. We want double illegal residents, or we don't try. You live in four hours. In retrospect, it's been speculated about why this film failed critically and commercially at the time. It is now largely viewed positively by critics. One reason, personally posited by Friedkin, is that Sorcerer was an ill-advised exorcist reference that seemed cool at the time, but later he realized it may have disappointed audiences when they learned that they weren't watching an exorcist sequel or spin-off. A second, and much larger reason, quite literally, is that Paramount opened it against Star Wars A New Hope. Star Wars has been a good luck charm for theaters throughout the country. The movie made $2.6 million nationally during the first three days it played. And the prestige of being able to save seeing Star Wars is something akin to royalty, really. Star Wars cost $9 million to produce. It will bring in at least 10 times that amount. 
As a result, the price of 20th Century Fox stock has doubled in the last two weeks. Billy Friedkin's sorcerer was literally caught in a tractor beam and swallowed whole by George Lucas's Death Star. Many critics see the failure of Sorcerer as the official moment the blockbuster film finally eclipsed the auteur cinema experiment. Billy Friedkin still sees Sorcerer as his best work and the film that came closest to his original vision. You ever think of going to Managua? Managua? Shit, there's no way I can go to Managua. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Adam Kozak is an electronic recording artist who makes music often inspired by old movies under the name Burial Grid. His album Music for No Tomorrow is available now on Bandcamp. I, of course, am your host, Forrest Miller, wandering Ronin of the podcast panel and samurai of the clip-cutting school. Without further ado, let's get started. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I, Nobody uh, wants to I talk anymore. I messed it up. It's uh, it's Roy Scheider. It's not Roy Schneider, but I had a kid uh, in my Roy Scheider. I had a I had a kid in my high school that was named uh you know was named Ben Schneider so I think I messed up the two names in, in my head you know I can't I can't Roy Scheider it anymore nobody wants to truck anymore it's true I I kind of feel like um Roy Scheider is there's a little bit of like the Berenstain Bears thing going on there yeah um, so, I mean especially everyone uh, pronounces it Schneider oh. so. Yeah, I mean, is it is it is it Burns the Bernstein Bears Bears? Yeah, I mean, I guess I I don't I, I think that's... yes, the Woodward and Bernstein Bears. Who can forget that classic <laughs> children's entertainment? Yes. Everyone yeah, that broke the Watergate story is very. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say the the <laughs> the Woodward and Bernstein Bears break Watergate is my favorite yeah, children's yeah, uh, kids exactly. book. They would read Good it, one. and then you know Richard Nixon would pop up and scream about not being a crook, and they'd put they pour I mean, honey on his head and be like, "Get out of here, fucking Richard Nixon." I remember that video of Nelson Mandela dying and it just fell from his fingertips. <laughs> Rob to a great start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but that guy was a pretty reasonable big deal at that time. I mean, like, you know, Jaws, uh, this one, like he was, he was like going to be like, you know, he's like the big screen idol. Like, like apparently he, got a, uh, guy. he was, <laughs> he was going full, like a uh, drama queen or whatever, like a uh, diva, I guess on set on yeah. this one, which he had not done on the French connection. Cause he wasn't a big star yet. But he got fucking booked on this one, and he's like, you know, running around complaining about the Dominican Republic, complaining about you know malaria and the gangrene. I I feel like you have a lot of cause to complain on this movie. Like this is a no Weinstein bears. <laughs> no, <laughs> we do not want. Uh yeah. Well, isn't the whole reason Billy Freakin want to work with him again? Because he's he's like, yeah, he would basically do anything. He would like like do anything I asked him to do, and like like didn't complain at all. And then like yeah, he. he Definitely got more prima donna. He, he and, complained. He complained, but he still did anything. Billy Freak. But he still he still <laughs> did it. Yeah. But what's funny is that like who he originally had in mind was Steve McQueen. 
And Steve yeah. McQueen was like super into it, but he insisted that Allie McGraw's main squeeze come with and was like can we just get her like an executive producer credit or like find a small role for her which of course there's no women in this movie there's barely any women in Wayne's Appear there's one and it's Henry Clouseau's wife who's awesome he's also in Diabolique so he's got he's got a thing that he does like he gets her her thrown off a truck it's pretty pretty... (laughs) (laughs) so it's like so the idea of like I'm sure like Allie McGraw would bring some star power but like freaking was like super annoyed like no we can't just bring her in to do nothing no what is she gonna be the truck <laughs> Very pretty truck. But well, yeah. he was also trying to just film in LA. Like, imagine them trying to film this in like a universal, like you know, back lot or something. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't work? I mean, especially yeah. with what what he was trying to do with it. Because whether he's I mean, by the way, can I just say he doesn't think it's a remake of Wages of Fear? Dog, it's a it's a remake of Wages of Fear. Well, so his so his argument about this is that it's closer changed... to the book. I know the argument. No, it's not that it's closer to the book. He said that he changed the characters. It's different. Yeah, he characters. gave them a backstory that yeah. nobody cares about. Nobody cares about the back. Like when you're watching and Wages he, and of he Fear, flew to four continents to film that back to film the backstory. Yeah. When you're watching Wages of Fear. <laughs> I guarantee you, at no point you're like, I wonder how these guys got to be that place. Because it doesn't matter. The, the, the way Wages of Fear is better is that like it shows how they interact now. I and do like all watching, in this very uh, desperate world. I like watching Palestinian terrorists escape, though. Yes. And well, from up in Israel. <laughs> yeah, that's I, true. Yeah. Not, a, not a big Israel yep. guy. That was that was, a, that was a cool that was a cool opening to this movie. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's yeah. not film well. I'm just saying the But then he lets a banker escape. And then I'm like, yo, dog, let, put, like lock that banker up. <laughs> but regardless of the actual story as well done as they are uh it, it means that it, it takes an interminable amount of time to get to the action which i'm not a big like let's get to the fireworks factory guy necessarily but when you compare the pacing of wage of fear which is also slow versus sorcerer look when it gets there it gets there but it takes a while it takes yeah. a while to get there and like and I feel like it seems more disjointed. It's like, all right, now they're driving trucks. Whereas within Wages of Fear, it's like it's way more like built into like, you know, they're talking about like driving and this and like, and it's just there's something about them just being centered only in that location. And everyone has a backstory, and it doesn't matter because they're all stuck together. That I really like personally. I, but I, I do like that he made them go all the way to Jerusalem and then Paris and then Veracruz and then <laughs> yeah. and then uh, like flex. Yeah, like he, he he got them to actually fly there, film for like a couple of days, and then go to each new place. Like the yeah. fact that it's filmed on four continents, but you don't know that watching it, it could be anywhere. That could be filmed on the fucking Universal lot. Like, what, where was the Veracruz uh, scene actually filmed? In, Ver- in Veracruz. In, yeah, and it's like wow. that bro just comes it, it, in and shoots a guy. It, and it's like, it, that it, could literally be anywhere. It's literally and, and they timed it out. It's, it's literally, I think it's literally like uh, 30 seconds. He, yeah. he walks, he takes the elevator, he walks in, he puts his gun up. It's a cool shot. I like the shot a lot. But yeah, you don't need to go to Veracruz for that shot. To <laughs> it's it's kind of like Dick Bush yeah. did a great job with that shot, though. <laughs> Good old Dick Bush, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but okay, so yeah, and it, it took me basically three minutes to do bring in wages of fear but it is interesting watching kind of like two different versions of the same story because he focuses on different things right i like and- the wages of fear starting like the main character's name is mario and then dude's rock his fucking roommate was named luigi luigi yeah yeah, yeah. i purposely didn't say anything about that because i remember the bit that basically dominated most of escape from new york in the back it's a me wages of a fear <laughs> <laughs> but like it's 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 interesting because it's not like so personally i prefer wages of fear but sorcerer like when it gets to the action like i mean look i guess we can just get right to it we can get to the fireworks factor of this conversation holy shit the bridge scene yeah <laughs> Come on! I mean, <laughs> and 
and Wages of Fear, it, like, uh, isn't comparable, I think, to that one scene. No, they don't. Like, they, no, no, no. But like that, but that like, scene is anxiety wrenching. Like I remember kind of being like distracted for a second, and then looking back, and they were on the bridge, and be like, okay, I need to just like laser yeah, focus onto the phone and like I, I you feel like you're on like it the like the camera's moving enough and yeah like and the, you see yeah. like the truck like tipping and yeah stuff. it's and like, it's, mm-hmm. it's like oh my god and, and well first of all even when things are going great they're like all right they're driving over these boards that barely support the weight and like they're crunching and like like everything about it is we'll just charitably say ill-advised uh and then and then like when uh um our french banker bro like doesn't see the other guy like fall down. He's like, hey, hey, what's going on? It's like, dude, you're about to run him over on a bridge in a gigantic truck. Like it's 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 absolutely insane. Like that part of it freaking absolutely like insanely does an amazing job. Here's what's crazy. Like <laughs> that is all like movie magic because even though it's filmed on location, the original location, they built that crazy bridge to all the suspension stuff. By the time they got it going, the riverbed was like totally dry. And they had to move to a different river, which also went dry. (laughs) And then they had to basically like fake the flood and like fake like the rain and everything, which is absolutely crazy. Cause it's like, dog, you could have done that on a set. (laughs) I I think, I think that's what cracked his relationship eventually with uh, Dick Bush. You know, things went down with Dick Bush, Dick Bush and him, you know, they were, they, they weren't, uh, they weren't, they weren't getting along down there. And uh, you know, they, (laughs) he, he ended up firing the entire camera crew at one point. And it's crazy because it's like, this was a, I mean, this was a really big budget. And you mentioned something in the intro too about, um, well, first of all, an opening against Star Wars is the real reason, right? I mean, like, hello. Yeah. Like that's, that's not telling any tales out of school, but the the, the reason why I didn't watch this for like years is because of the name. I'm like, I don't need to see that. Like, I like the exorcist. I don't need to see that. And then I was, I was like, oh, it's not like a supernatural thing. Hmm. Oh, all right. And then someone's like, oh, it's a remake of Wage of Fear. I'm like, what? Hmm. And which apparently he doesn't think it is, but okay, fine. Uh, and, the, and the opening title credit makes you think it's going to be something supernatural too, because the opening yeah. title credit has like that weird skull thing that you're like, and you've got oh, that crazy oh. Tangerine Dream score. Yeah, and you're like, and you're like, is, you're like, is is this going to be a uh, you know like a movie where they all get something cursed and they have to drive the trucks? Yeah. To get the, like, and then you're like, no, it's not that at all. No, it's just literally <laughs> dudes driving trucks. That's and like it's it's. I think the name did hurt it. it. Yes, but the, the the nice thing about this movie is that the trucks also have personalities of their own too. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah, that's like the decorator uh, thing, right? Like because the, there's 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 a big thing culturally where like you decorate your truck, you give it a personality, you give it a panache. It's been carried forward now with like these passenger buses that they. Oh, is that a like, cultural thing? I just thought they really like Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> well they're competing each other where like the, the goal is to have the most blinged out bus so that like when people but, but, are but the thing is though is, is as a viewer you could tell which truck is which because if they remade this today yeah. the trucks would be identical or or, or yeah, virtually identical which you they know, were like, in, uh, in and i get that it's named after the truck it's not that i don't understand that i just think it's a bad move it's a bad name and i heard the movie and i'm but it yeah, like wages right. of fear you can't really tell them. i mean you can tell the difference between the truck because they're like so uh box shaped at that point like you can see who's in it well, if it wasn't for Mario head. looking like an ethnic stereotype, you'd hardly be able to tell the difference between the dudes. <laughs> well, there's yeah, no, there's the, the one guy. The one guy is blonde. I like that they have a blonde guy in there. The blonde guy really, uh, I'd, I like watching it. I'm like, oh, it's the guy that looks like fucking uh, uh, the the dude from um, Fargo when it's driving with fucking Steve Buscemi. Like, <laughs> well, and the last thing I'll say is, yeah. is, that, is that culturally it does work too, because again, like the modern version of this is the decatora which are the passenger buses i started talking about where they each kind of try to outdo each other by like looking flashier 
Uh, and it, the idea is like, if you're going to be stuck doing something that you don't want to do, then you should be doing it in style. You should be doing panache. You should put some artistry into it, which I, which I think is very interesting. But go ahead. What, Adam, I, what I want to know is um, the Gulf and Western guy, right? Uh, invites them to film down there. A movie about a fucking oil company, like an American oil company. You know, and, and it, like, how did he? And gets mad it? for being basically yeah. in it. Yeah, where it's like, yeah. yo, did you read the book or see the original movie? Like. <laughs> It's all there, he was, buddy. He was trying to get so he was trying to get everybody you, to film down down there. Who do you think is paying the wages in the wages of fear? He, but he was trying to nobody, you know, because it's you know they don't they can kind of get away with that because it's a it's a free zone. But everybody uh, is everybody is extra free there if you know what I mean. Exactly. They're, Adam, they're labor. I think you wanted to break in a little earlier. What what were you gonna? Oh God, I can't remember. Um. I think I was just going to say Freakin himself completely regretted uh, naming it Sorcerer. And, yeah. and, and oh, yeah, I was going to mention um, where you see like the sort of the the um, the glyph or it wasn't even a glyph. It was like a the sort of face inlaid into the stone. Yeah, the carving. Yeah. Um, that, that almost feels like a callback to the exorcist with like the the pazuzu statue in the beginning and oh, sure. yeah and i yeah. think it was it was supposed to like he was trying to do an homage to his own uh, yeah. his last movie yeah. which you never want to do an homage to yourself which is like, asinine but, yeah. <laughs> but uh this is this is from the conversation about the bridge um so this is the guy from uh drive interviewing Refit, uh, yeah. oh. who's also done he's also done uh um, <laughs> interview oh yeah this, I, this is this is this is an amazing one yeah, uh, so he's done I, a bunch I, of other things as as well. Uh, I actually just watched the first episode of Copenhagen Cowboy, which is his newest thing last night, because I figured you might play this clip. Uh, but he also I, did I have, a, I have a bunch of clips. young. He did Man, um, still. I have a bunch of clips from this because the entire conversation is about sorcerer. Uh -huh. and yeah, yeah. So this is the well. I know. I think I know the one you're going to play, and I can't wait to see it. <laughs> um, no, I saw that one yet. But this is this okay, is the one about right. this is the one about the bridge where they're talking about uh, filming on there. I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of uh, NWR thoughts. I feel like I feel like my my last the last one I play is going to be uh, Bronson and only God forgives. Those are the two. Him him and him completely stunning the guy. <laughs> just <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. So you shot this movie on film, obviously. Was that difficult? Yeah, there was in no the jungle. Digital. Was it was it uh, challenging? Yeah, of course, because in the jungle you have sometimes bright sun, and sometimes you have a cloudy day. Right. And usually, you get both in the course of the same day. Right. And so lighting in the jungle is difficult. The bridge scene, which is one of the most difficult scenes i think that may ever have been filmed as far as i know did you actually put the trucks on the yeah, bridge? of course because that's one of the amazing things when i rewatched it was that seeing those metal machines on that like even getting them out there and there were difficult. were there stuntmen or were there the actors uh both okay so there the was actors are there's no opticals in the film okay the actors are when you see them Driving the trucks, they're driving the trucks. When would you use mostly stunt for the close-ups? And when would you use stunt people? In the long shots, okay. So you, so you couldn't use see stunt. Okay. who is. And uh, uh, the stunt coordinator was Bud Eakins, who was McQueen's right. stunt double and stunt coordinator. Because that bridge scene is the editorial, especially when he falls underwater. The use of sound going away—it's it's magical. It's absolutely well, magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. It's absolutely—it's untouchable. You know, it's so. I know well -made. it's a good scene. It's an incredible. No, it's not. It's an incredible scene. It was fun to do. Right. And understand this: I never 
take a script with me when I shoot a scene. It's in my head. Right. I did not have a storyboard for the bridge scene, but I had all of it in my mind's eye. Right. I had everything. I saw the movie in my head. And so going out to film it was only difficult from a physical standpoint, not from the standpoint of what to do when. I knew how I was going to start that scene, end that scene, what the individual moments would be. And I just went out and filmed what was in my mind's eye. And another thing that I admire about the script and the movie itself is the lack of dialogue. Having Except in so the first... Uh, yeah, but being someone who makes movies with very little dialogue, I saw a kindred spirit here again, that it's all told through visuals. You know, almost like a silent film, the mood, style, camera. I'll tell you camera. why I decided to do that. Right. Was there and more dialogue originally in the script? No. Okay. In Indonesia, when the Exorcist or French Connection played there, it would be run on a screen, very often a sheet that was set up on the wall in some store, and they had a projector, and they'd run the film in various parts of the world, but I remember Indonesia. And they could not afford any subtitles there for the They only could get like an American version or a French dubbed version, um, but they couldn't get one in the language of these particular country. What would happen is that every five minutes or so, they'd stop the projector and a guy would walk out and explain to the audience what they had just seen. And I made it, I made a promise to myself that the next film I made would not have to be stopped by a projectionist in Indonesia where a guy had to explain to the audience what they were watching. So you were I was going to make a film that you could understand it just by watching it. So you, in courtesy of the Indonesian people, this movie was going to reach the widest audience around the world. That's what I had hoped for as a, as a way of reaching audiences. Okay. The le look, the greatest cinema to me, was made in the silent era. Right. And you could run Buster Keaton's movies or Charlie Chaplin or D.W. Griffith's films anywhere, and people knew what was going on. Were, there's, were you megalomania when you were making the movie? I don't know what that word means. Okay, but were you, were you all-consuming? Yeah, you probably. basically world dominance, that this was going to play every no, single No, it's just a movie. All I was was a movie director who had a concept and was bound and determined to fulfill that concept. Yes, but this is Not nothing bad. Rule but the world. Then it seems like you wanted to rule the world. No, never. I don't have these uh, fantasies that you have. Why do you attribute your fantasies to me? I'm just trying to look what I'm going to be like. So I'm thinking ahead. Well, you better get your head straight because you can get it chopped off. And that's what happened to you? Well, to a great extent, sure. Now <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that is like... Goodness.
Yeah. <laughs> wow. Chekhov's gun there. He keeps uh he keeps being like the entire interview, and we'll we'll see more clips of the interview, but like he keeps being like, I'm just like you. I, I'm gonna be you oh, one day. And, and he like snaps, he's like yeah, at the end of it, at the end of it, he fucking <laughs> if you're gonna play it, we don't need to reenact it. But yeah, wow. it's uh it's so good. I, it's <laughs> I, I will I will say this in in uh in reference defense. I've I've been in situations where it was pitched as like, oh, you guys are interviewing each other you're talking to each other and then like it's made very clear later on that like that is not the case mm. like the other person does not know that or refuses to engage with it so you have to kind of pivot and like it's like oh no this is like i'm interviewing you okay but i which mean is, if you have is, billy freak in there like i i think he dominates this like you well, have well he's he's he's, he's definitely compensating like he definitely big ups himself a little bit too much as and again if you want to talk about Chekhov's gun uh but like yeah so but to talk about the content of it though like it, it is interesting to see what he's focusing on because as a filmmaker himself of course i mean the sound design of this is incredible you know like i mean they they did a restoration of this uh it was pretty cool before but like the color and like this the i mean taking full advantage of like you know the jungle and, and like this is a wet movie when it's wet like it is <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, this like it's like his least favorite movie because he doesn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, take a drink. But yeah, like it's it, it's it's like you feel it, and that's part of the reason that like makes those uh, bridge scenes so engaging. Wop. That's a wet ass movie. Okay, all right. Can I, can we get the show back on track, please, for like a hot second? <laughs> it's just a funny. It's just you're right, but it's a funny like describing a movie. Like describing a movie as, as wet is kind of funny to me. It is. It is like the the design of it, it's... the visual design is very wet. It is. Yeah. You, you know, um, uh, one <laughs> I'm going to pull a Friedkin out. <laughs> tweeted out a, uh, uh, so retweeted somebody who posted an old ad she did, and she apologized for using the uh, word moist so much in it. And I, but I do think moist does also a good descriptor of this film. Yeah. And no, I, no, I don't even think this movie is moist. This movie is straight up wet. Like, oh, the yeah. rain, like the rain hits the camera like, like, uh, like constantly. Like you're you're immersed in the actual jungle experience. I mean, like, like, it's, it's off I mean, that, that's the thing, like, the entire, like, second half of the movie, like, all of the trials and tribulations that they run into, you know, which is, uh, it's almost like this, um, it's almost just like Murphy's Law, like, pushed to, like, the most yeah. extreme degree, and, yeah, I mean, like, even the rain, it's coming down in, like, fucking sheets. Like, diagonally. It, yeah, like... it's, it's, it's absurd. It, there's yeah, like almost which is like really a, hard to watch in some like there are some movies where it rains and you can see like the rain hit the camera and stuff and it's like it's very hard to like engage with that some filmmakers yeah. do it as like a stylistic thing but this yeah. movie i think it just poured so much rain on you at some point that you like you're kind of immersed in it enough that it doesn't really do that to you you're like all right i guess like i can't tell half the time what the fuck is going on but like that that is that is also what the characters are experiencing yeah it, it, well, it, yeah I mean, it actually feels almost as supernatural as The Exorcist because, I mean, it's a movie, it, it's entirely about fate and how little control we have over our own destinies and, you know, and like that second half of the, it's all, it, again, it's it's just so over the top. Like when, when the when the trees come from upriver and like crush him against the truck and you're like oh my god like what's happening yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's it's insane and you know what's like, coming you're like, like oh you know and you just see him like literally like, like oh like yeah. pinned and, and you're like holy crap is he gonna get crushed by this tree yeah. like what is happening <laughs> and then it makes a lot more sense after watching wages of fear 
where he yeah. <laughs> straight up runs over the fucking guy's leg. You're like, oh, like this is so this is like uh you're expecting that he's gonna get run over also. I mean, assuming yeah. that you've watched Wages of Fear as a movie, you're like, oh, he's gonna get crushed. And then when he doesn't completely get crushed, you're like, Yeah, all right, I guess this is he's this isn't a remake. <laughs> I guess he was right. <laughs> well, and then, and then like that probably was intentionally done to kind of mess with people that knew that film and wanted to, and you know, like, you know, like he's he's gotta be a little bratty about it, right? Yeah. And and I guess Oh, sorry, anyway. I was just gonna say it's it's like Spike Lee's remake of Old Boy. You know, um, uh, they 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 do subvert some of the plot points just to make it different enough. I can't believe you referenced that in this show. But okay, I, I forgot that even existed. I, I'm okay with forgetting That's that amazing. existed. Yeah, uh, it, it came up recently. <laughs> Did you bring it up then too? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah, we no. Got some, uh, we got some golden. Okay. Gold well, what I was gonna say has nothing to do with, with any of that, but that's that's fine. I can we can. <laughs> Spike Lee's old boy. Sure. That's that's the important. We thing. uh we got some golden globes news. Oh, hey! Awesome. All right. Yep. I'm trying to get up from the. Oh, oh boy! Right there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That rules. That's of course the for the for the podcast listeners when the headline comes back up I'll read it. Yeah, so he's he's <laughs> one comes up. Uh yeah. Kwan wins best supporting actor at Golden Globes 2023. For so many years I was afraid I had nothing more to offer. Everything everyone yep. all And I guess I guess he uh acceptance speech. Yeah, I guess he cried during his acceptance which <laughs> crying. <Yes. laughs> that's it's pretty beautiful. Um yeah, so I mean that that that's a that's good fantastic. sign for uh that's a good sign for the Oscars I think when yes. we're uh, when we're rooting for Everything, everywhere, all at once to win every Oscar, everywhere, all at once. I, I think it's. I think for supporting for supporting actor, it's going to be him and like the entire main cast of uh, Banshees of Inisherin, who also would be deserving. Uh, <laughs> but like, I think it's like there's no there's no one else that's for supporting actor. It's going to be even close. But we're not doing that show yet. We're doing this show. That's going to be next month. Um, Bop, 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 bop. Andy brought up something completely unrelated. Uh, what were we talking it about? It was old that? boy. I don't remember what you were talking about. The changes about between the, the, the various films <laughs> and how it was done. Wage of Fear and Sorcerer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the author didn't like Wage of Fear. The author of the book that, that both these yeah. movies are inspired on didn't like it. Even though it was a big, not in the US, but a big uh, European hit. He, he didn't think it was a good adaptation. So when Freakin, who flew to France, France, I think, I can't remember, yeah. to, to meet with him, he was like, yes, please do that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, <laughs> they, they, they had a falling out during the shooting of it uh, based on changes. They did. So they, they, he, they did. So he and he didn't and like the changes that he made either. But he also met with Clouseau, who was like... <laughs> Okay, yeah, cool. well, so, so the because guy that wrote like, the book said you can you can kind of uh you know you can have the rights to this, but you also have to talk to Clouseau and get his yeah. so it was like you have to talk to him and get his blessing, but like I definitely yeah. um it, well, but of course it's coming off making a huge hit, so like yeah. I think Clouseau was like, What you want to yeah, and, and I think that? they made a uh a profit right. sharing agreement too with Clouseau, yeah, if I remember correctly, which yeah. uh it bombs, so uh you know, poor guy. But yeah. still not a re but still not a remake. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but it's not a remake, exactly. <laughs> um yeah so this is uh i, I want to play more clips from from this this is um but i think that's in, that's interesting because like it, it so that basically means that so two very well regarded films among the cinephiles right and like the author isn't like either one <laughs> who are well, you I stephen mean, king you would assume that what he wants is a straight up remake of his work yeah, he's like, what he wants line by line like yeah yeah so yeah. so anytime anyone changes anything it seems like which, which would like, probably hey, be is, terrible because yeah. writing a book and writing a screenplay are very different things and making a movie and 
know. Yeah, so this is, this is I'm talking about the actual like the underlying thing in fate, and I think this is kind of interesting because I what I don't know another time that we get like a dude just be like, so this is what this is the underlying theme of the movie. In case you're <laughs> like putting it into his own statement, people are usually like, well, I'll let the audience decide. Freakin does not want the audience nope. to decide. He's he wants... not, not that type of bro. It's not. <laughs> and his also, deal. this guy, I like the I like the the beginning, like the shot in the beginning of this. To but this this guy is just losing it throughout this entire thing. NWR getting ready to blow. <laughs> That's it, but he, he goes by NWR, like he gives it everybody, whatever. We'll talk about this too later. It's fine. Fascinating. And again, being a younger version of you, I'm so interested in this relentlessness that you had at this point. It's just what I believed. Right. I, you know, that's how I felt about the world. And when I started making films, it wasn't all about superheroes. There are many great examples of the kind of characters we just talked about. The guys in the treasure of the Sierra Madre, they are bad. Right. They start good, and then since the film is about greed, they all become greedy. Mm -hmm. They all let greed take them over, with the possible exception of the Walter Houston character who is the old prospector yeah. but the lead guy bogart is a very bad individual who will kill his partners to take their share of the money was that an inspiring movie oh for you? yes that's one of the greatest films i had ever seen so you almost... if i could one day make a film as good as treasure of sierra madre i would quit okay i would absolutely quit right there and i haven't even made a film that goes near the power so was it almost it. like an internal template of it could work, this approach? Well, I'll be honest with you. I thought anything I did at that point would work. So you felt you were untouchable? Yeah. Literally untouchable. As a film director. Yeah, you could do anything. Yeah. Were the studios after you? Were they whatever? No, did you just open, all. did let it go, just whatever you needed? They more thought money? that the film was was costing more than they would like to have spent. What was the final budget? I think the final budget was around 13 or $14 million. When you were done? Plus added costs right. by the studios. At that time, they would put a big surcharge on the film for financing it, right. which they were entitled to, but which was not spent. So you'd achieved everything everyone would ever dream of doing, basically. You were in that situation. I don't think you ever reached that situation because, as I told to you, it. frankly, the cast that I would have preferred at the time right. was McQueen, uh, Mastriani, and Lino Ventura. Right. And I always felt that with, the, with Paco Rabal and uh, uh, Bruno Cremer, that it was a compromise. Although... Now, when, you know, it's 30-some years later, I don't know, 37 years or so later, um, I think they're wonderful. But I back then, you, 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 you going into this movie, you felt you were compromised with your actors. In the cast, yeah. In the cast. Based on, we wrote these parts for those other guys. Right, right. And so whoever did them, was not the first choice for those roles. And the sorcerer, the title was already from the get-go? How did you come up with that title? Oh, I was listening to a Miles Davis album called Sorcerer. And I thought, hey, that's that sounds like a good title. I love the album. And I thought that was a good title. And I also realized at the time that what a sorcerer, in fact, was, was an evil wizard. 
Right. And in the case of the film, I thought the evil wizard was fate that controlled the lives of all these people, no matter how heroic they were or terrified or adventuresome or desperate, that their lives were out of their control, which is what I feel about all of us. Right. Every single person. And did the studio we, question? We have nothing to say about oh. how we come into this world and nothing to say about how we're going to leave it. And that's the underlying theme of Sorcerer. It's like a Chinese fortune cookie. <laughs> Wait, that's where you get it, huh? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, can, I can put up the, what he says to him, what he says the fortune cookie thing. Hold on. Well, yeah, so yeah. Right, let, let's, before we, before we watch him, uh, the reaction to that. I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I buy it. Like, okay, that's that's why he decided to call it Sorcerer. I mean, why don't you just call it Reaper? I like what he's like. Sense. He's like, what I thought to myself, I realized a sorcerer is an evil wizard. It's like, yeah, yeah everybody knows that. That's not <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's some obscure phrase or something. Have you ever, have you really thought about the word sorcerer? And like, have you ever actually <laughs> thought about what that? No, it's just. I mean, it, I, mean I guess he's like, really high listening to Miles Davis. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also high on his own supply from being so successful with the Exorcist as well. Yeah. And French Connection. And French Connection. Yeah. Right. Actually, I can't remember. Was French Connection before Exorcist? Yeah, he, he yeah. came out of the gate with French Connection. And then, uh, yeah, The Exorcist was his next movie. And this was his next one after that. Um, yeah. And, and it is, which is funny because knowing... Uh, <laughs> what happens with the NWR next? Uh, he was pretty high on his own supply at the same time. But yeah, let's mm -hmm. let's watch this together, why don't we? Every single person. And did the studio we, we have nothing to say about oh. how we come into this world and nothing to say about how we're going to leave it. And that's the underlying theme of Sorcerer. It's like a Chinese fortune cookie. Huh? Well, he he's talking about Chinese fortune cookies. What so, the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> uh, mad relatable. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's Andy in every situation. You're like, this is the theme. And he's like, it's like uh, it's like that Spike Lee movie. And you're like, what? Like huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I need freaking as a sample on this show uh, for, for those moments. Adam, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was just saying I never noticed how Trumpy Friedkin sounds. Just in, like just the, the intonation of his voice. Like I could have yeah. like, myself. Which is why it's funny he just said, I don't know what megalomania means, because like yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trump definitely does. Yeah, megal megalomania, what's that? <laughs> like I, I think also like they have like similar backgrounds or something, aren't they like from like, the same area or some shit like that? I actually don't know, but but I just think it's it's amazing that it's the first of many missteps that uh refin does that the, yeah so that like, so that i think is the turning point in the conversation like, yeah from, uh, from there it's all downhill for the rest and that's why i wanted to say earlier there have been times that it was like pitched as like oh you guys are going to interview each other and then like when i said like but it was made very clear like for anybody with the remotest feel for the room that like no that's not what's happening here what's <laughs> happening is that i'm interviewing you and maybe i was brought to it under false pretenses i've literally been in this situation but it, somebody it, it, doesn't seem to get it it's not that he doesn't get it. I think that he is. He's what so, Adam? Oh no, I was just saying it, it's not like Noah Baumbach, uh, like interviewing Brian De Palma, you know, yeah. which is a legitimate interview that does. Yeah, which, which is fine. And there's something uh, I think. I think uh, I so I 
there's an asterisk to it, but I enjoy NWR. Yeah. <laughs> As he likes to call himself. Yeah. Uh, I great out of I, Copenhagen. I, I think that he um I think that the critiques of him having an incredible style and maybe totally lacking in substance sometimes and being like what diet David Lynch, I'm trying to think of all the trash talking that's happened. Some of that's true. But then also that you watch something like Tool to Die Young, and it's like that's a pretty bold thing to do. Like, I'm not sure if it's like who it's for necessarily, but I watched all of it and I was like, all right, like that's his version of like uh Twin Peaks the Return in its own weird way, but you know, the guy's got a vision, but he also, he doesn't seem to be able to read a room. Well, see, my, my reading of it isn't that he's... Because he's, he's walking into it like they're peers, and Friedkin yeah. clearly does not feel that way to begin with. And then I, he does would, this fortune cookie shit. I would, I would shit. wonder if he's so narcissistic in this interview that, like, he's unwilling to cede the fact that it's not a peer-to-peer interview. Like he, he's and, like maybe it was, wasn't pitched as that, but he just assumed it would be because he's uh, like Mr. Hot. Just the, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I feel like he's unwilling to cede that level to uh, Friedkin, so he just keeps trying to, you know, like just like uh-huh. I don't know, just this uh, took his own stuff and like promote it. And he's like, even even as uh, Friedkin totally takes over, he's like, I'm unwilling to have this happen. So he keeps trying to do it and getting yeah. knocked back down. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, uh, Friedkin was born and raised in Chicago, uh, so not Chicago, the same part of. Uh, uh, you know, well, what is it, Queens? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got that snap correction out of the way. That's good. Uh, I mean, I was, I was literally just theorizing that, like, because they seem like similarish type of dudes in a certain way. Although one of them's talented, and it's not. My my grandma was born a county over from where Trump was born, and they have literally. I, I realized one day my grandma was like saying something and was like complaining, and I realized they have the same voice, but like my grandma's voice is like you know a couple octaves higher. Yeah, than it's Trump. kind of like an old people <laughs> around that time period kind of uh, like the cadence. Almost mm-hmm. as well. But once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. And now every time she talks, <laughs> I just I picture Trump being like, <laughs> "What did he do? What did he do after this? Cruising? Yeah, it's, I think he did cruising next. Which is, yeah, that was his next one. What a change up! <laughs> Didn't have nice things to say about uh, um, uh, Pacino. Yeah, no. I oh, did the Brinks job. Was really funny. Where he's like, I don't give a fuck what Pacino has to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's very, he's a very entertaining guy, but yeah, not a guy you want to get the bad side of. And NWR is just not reading these social cues at all. Like, and it, it goes deeper into it. But th- this isn't an analysis of that interview. This is an analysis. We're of gonna do an episode stuff. on that interview. That we pretty I much could. I mean, it's because there are times that, like, as someone, th- this show notwithstanding. Um, I, Adam, I've, I've done my, I not only play music, but I've done a show called Conor Neutron's Personal Controversial. It's been going for almost nine years now. It's mostly a one-on-one interview show, like uh, with musicians I uh, enjoy and respect, right? So because of that, when I see someone make a misstep in like a discussion like that, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Reel it back. And when they don't, it's just like, no, no, that's like, you just walk, walk, you just drove past the like bridge out sign. Yeah, the whole thing. And you're going to go cross the bridge. It's just like this narcissistic conflagration. It's just like, it explodes. It's just like, ugh. Like you need to have some degree of empathy. And also the flow of a conversation. Instead of like, I like, and I get it. He's, he's, he's a, you know, he's not a dummy. He's a smart guy. So he's got a lot to say too, but it's like, yeah, but a guy like Freakin is like gonna get annoyed that you're interrupting him, and then like is gonna like and again he pulls that thing like like fortune cookie. What? <laughs> what are you fucking talking about? NWR seems like a polite narcissist, like a narcissist <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah, he just doesn't have enough self awareness, and he's oblivious of you know his how how much he loves smelling his own farts. Whereas like Freakin, <laughs> I mean, he has 
decades worth of narcissism behind them. And yeah. <laughs> and, well, exactly. not just yeah, so, yeah. so there's there's a there's a there's two different things here. There's narcissism and then there's the grievances that come with narcissism when uh you feel like you haven't been respected enough or treated well enough. You're like <laughs> yeah. so I feel like I feel like Friedkin is both. And that's the that's the Trump thing too, right? Like thinks thinks he's a genius, thinks he's an unrecognized genius. So those two grievances or the grievances and the narcissism together make like this uh explosively like rude kind of um like, you know, like, I'm going to actually tell them what I think of myself, like, as opposed yeah. to like somebody like, uh, you know, that kind of wins an Oscar for drive or whatever, and kind of just gets away with it. And is like, able to politely be like, Oh, I'm smart, blah, blah, blah. People are like, yeah, you know, he's all right. But like, Look, has freaking seen half of his back catalog? Has he has he like seen Jade? Has he seen the Guardian? Like, he, he made some like real garbage, you know, <laughs> over the last like, you know, 40 years, but like, like, post yeah. to live and die in LA. It's just—it's pretty harsh, man. Yeah. Like there, 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 like there hasn't been a lot of fantastic films in his in his recent history, to be sure. And, and I'm sure part what of was that, that the Devil and Father, or someone or other that was out a few years ago. I didn't even. See oh, that. Uh, well, there was it was it was, was like a documentary, there. I think, if I remember right. Um, I, I feel like part about of it, like, a, like an exorcism or something. I, I can't. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, anyway, I, more about Spike Lee's remake of Old Boy. <laughs> part I, of I wanted to bring up Freakin's Bug. <laughs> Oh, bug! Yeah, I, I actually I never saw a bug. That that's one that, that I, it's up your alley. You'd like it. Yeah, I, I've heard good things about it. Um, um, I'm gonna while while we're talking, I'm gonna play. Uh, this, this is just I'm it's muted or whatever, but I'm gonna play. Um, this is just stuff that freaking took on a super eight camera behind the scenes. Oh, these are yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah, I love these so we can we can keep talking because it's it's like a but, but yeah yeah I'm saying so again it's really easy to get into like as far as this um nwr versus freaking interview like that's that's deeply compelling and obviously hard to hard to miss especially that it actually is a substantive conversation about this somewhat underrated movie like in a, in a different world i think more, I think more than somewhat underrated it, it, it's interesting that i think it's as as uneven as it is but it definitely is an underrated like it got buried you know what i mean oh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so the next sentence <laughs> i was going to say is in a world where it didn't open against star wars and maybe had a different title i think it actually would have been a very successful movie and it, I, I think if they had disconnected it i think if they had disconnected it also from uh wages of fear somehow you know what i mean like i, I think that really the fact that it uh is seen as a remake of wages of fear is a remake of wages of fear whatever else he wants to say um, and that movie just has so much like going. Film for nerds it. care about that. People that are just like going to the movies and don't know what Wages of Fear is. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was going to ask. Wages of I mean, Valor. But uh, what what does freaking care about more than like uh, I think critical response? I think more than well, and Indonesian response. If the if, <laughs> if the Indonesian people uh, you know vie with it, he's happy. But um, like in would have been a good title. Like in seventy seven was was Wages of Fear? Did it have that much? clout to it I, it was a i mean it, look because also did diabolic because that was like the uh, european hitchcock to oh, a certain okay. degree like okay. i mean he's super well regarded over there it's funny and that hitchcock he, isn't the <laughs> isn't the european hitchcock yeah but have you seen diabolic have you seen i mean they were like active competitors like with each other anyway if not like the international market um but like it's interesting that uh this this is this is an annoyingly scattershot conversation to me but but going back to like what we were talking about earlier like he specifically he knew age of fear liked it and kind of wanted to bring it to a wider audience so he's thinking about using his his fame freak i'm talking about to like bring a story and movie that he liked that he thought he could do a different way and kind of bring to a wider audience because he was assuming like a lot of people assume that have success that the success is going to stay with you as long as you stay true to your 
artistic vision. Yeah. And there's there's one thing he couldn't control, which is opening against Star Wars, <laughs> which no movie would have would have been able to survive that, right? But certainly not be a worldwide hit, and not like like talk about the dead opposite of Star Wars. Like this is not a good time at the movies. This yeah. is a miserable time at the movies. It's yeah. amazing, but it's a miserable time at the movies. And, and it would be it would be compounded by uh, Star Wars is sold out, and then you go see this movie. Well, yeah, like oh, I'll just go see Sorcerer. I, I'll see some wizard, sure. And you're like, There's no so this, this, this kind of which is the other thing that that was within his controls. Literally, like, why did you call it Sorcerer? Like, that's that it. It's dumb. It was getting like, really high listening to Miles Davis. At the time. Yeah, well, we, f- we figured that out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, it's. It's just wild to me that like nobody were like ah I don't know. This is like when the thing opened against ET, right? Uh, it's the same weekend in in 1982. That's right. I and forgot about that. It, it, it was not a hit at the time. You're right. I mean, it, it was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just that you know there are two like extraterrestrial movies, but you know one is so like life affirming and family friendly and pro establishment and makes you feel good and it's very saccharine and then the other is completely bleak and nihilistic and this is even more bleak and nihilistic than the thing and et is pro establishment maybe not pro stat i mean i'm just thinking in terms of like i mean like spielberg in general yeah yeah that's fine we don't we don't need to get it et obey authority (laughs) (laughs) i get i get where you're going with it they're they're very different kind of movies appealing to very different kind of audiences (laughs) they're like like, et we're gonna get you home there's a few forms you're gonna have to fill out (laughs) like the the thing was like part of the old guard and and like sorcerer is probably the very it's at the very tail end of the old guard still have you know like this well, of- what it is i mean it's the same thing that happened with this with this movie versus um you know the the blockbuster kind of versus the uh i think the blockbuster versus auteur like creative artistic prestige cinema. film that yeah. we're like 70s were lousy with and we all love yeah. right yeah as I mean, that it, is kind it, of it. as that is kind of dying out and as you know um star wars people got really pissed off that star wars <laughs> ended up winning like oscars over uh and like acclaim over different like artistic movies that came out that same year like there was a whole critical yeah, and people there. people people like lose their minds that spider-man no way from home got nobody like, talks about star wars anymore too. though so it's like you know what which movies have survived the... <laughs> because because people make their entire identity hating on marvel movies which is incredibly tiresome but like and i get it when you like there's movies that don't get the critical acclaim that uh that, that they should and don't have the audience they deserve like you know come on come on for instance which got totally snubbed at the oscar for instance uh yeah i get it i totally get it but also you know, there there both has to be a place for populism and a place for artistry as well. Like you can't just be an S like I like tar and I'm sure we'll get into it because we're probably going to cover it next month. But it is absolutely it's it's almost tailor made to win an Academy Award. Like it's one of those kinds of movies. Right. Sorcerer is not tailor made for that. Um, I mean, you remember the year of like, artistic Green book. Green, like the year of Green Book. That was like they're like, oh, let's tackle racism in a movie. Like, you, yeah. you know, that that's for the we thought Crash solved it. But it turns out we need one more one more in the <laughs> bank, guys. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about Tangerine Dream and the score. Yes. Uh, but this is a this is a clip of them talking about how he met Tangerine Dream uh, within this conversation. And then this is it's either this or Thief that is like the first Tangerine Dream score. I can't remember. I think it's remember. this one. Is it, is it this one? Okay, cool. Yeah. Thief is great too. That, that's also a great soundtrack. Now, how long does it take to edit this movie? A matter of some months, month, and Tangent Dream score, which by the way is that huge. was done before the film was even shot. Interesting story. So they did the score based on your script, correct? And what I had told them when okay. I met them in the Black Forest of Germany, 
at an abandoned church at a concert they were giving. You were promoting exorcists in Germany. I was on tour in Germany and someone from uh, the Warner Brothers studios in, it was either Munich or Frankfurt, told me about this incredible group who were playing a concert at an abandoned church in the Black Forest. And I went out there, heard this group, the Tangerine Dream. I met Edgar Frazee, who was the leader and the Rest other- Rest in peace. Yeah, he died not long ago from mm. the time we're talking, just less than a month ago. Mm. And uh, I met him, he had not done a score for a film, but this music was incredible. It was the music of the spheres. And uh, it weren't songs. It's a great album, yeah. And I, I said, look, I want you guys to, I didn't know what my next, next film was gonna be. Uh, but I said, I want you to score my next film. I asked them if they would do a score without seeing the movie. Just I, what I told them, by the time I came up with this idea to do Sorcerer, I met with Edgar Frazee again, told him the story. And when we had a script, I sent him the script. And they just went into a studio in Germany and recorded a whole bunch of their impressions right. of what I had told them and what so was you were like the you script. were directing the score in a very unique way. But I didn't direct it. I, I just Well uh, no, but you were defining it for them. You yeah. Know, you were you were it was their it. sound right. that I wanted them to uh, adapt to the story I had given. A bit like Dario Gento and the Goblins when he was making them. He was directing them like you were. Well, I, I wasn't aware of that. Right. But um, I love Dario Argento. And everyone does. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people do. <laughs> but um, one day we were in the jungles at Tuxtepec, and this package arrived from uh, Veracruz, Mexico. was sent from Germany to Veracruz, Mexico, and it was driven a hundred miles to where my location was. And I had this package of their tapes, which I couldn't play because we had nothing to play gigantic reel to reel tapes. So I didn't hear it right away, but I sent it back to Mexico city mm -hmm. uh, to get transferred into little cassettes. And I first heard the score on a little cassette recorders. In the I jungle. thought it was fantastic. So did it inspire you? Did that help you? Definitely. Yeah. It okay. was tough and mean and rhythmic right. and powerful. What I had expected. No sentimentality. Right. I hate sentimentality. I've noticed. Especially phony sentiment. Mm -hmm. Which so many of the films I see are just filled with phony sentiment. So now... You've cut the film. You put is the music on when you're going to show it. Yeah, to, I okay. I cut the film to the music a lot right. of times. So then you go to is it Universal first or yeah. Paramount? Because I was editing at Universal. Okay, then you show it to Universal. Well, here's what happened. Okay. Uh, one day, Lou Wasserman and Sid Sheinberg said, "Look, when you do get a cut that you like, Sid Sheinberg was head of the motion picture department at Universal." And Wasserman was the overall boss. And they said, one day when you have a cut that you like, can we look at it? And in those days, they could only look at it on what was called a chem editing machine, right. a Keller editing machine, German made. 
And it wasn't the kind of digital editing facilities we have now. It was you put up a reel of film and a reel of sound with a sync mark on both. You'd sync them up and run double system on a screen about this big. Lot to unpack there, not the least of which is NWR once again putting his foot in his mouth, assuming everyone loves Dario Argento. I, for one, do not love Dario Argento, so I would have interrupted that as well. <laughs> well, but I, he said he does, but he's like, ah, not everyone does. And then you yeah. hit you up the chat and be like, I don't. It's like, oh, he's talking about Conan. Like, <laughs> I, I have a I mean, friend. I respect named... it. I just don't enjoy watching the movies. That's he's like, I have a friend named uh, Conan Neutron who does not like <laughs> Dario Argento. So not everybody does. I but I wouldn't be feel compelled to chime in unless someone made some grand sweeping statement like, well, everyone loves Dario Argento. It's like, eh. I feel like well, Suspiria uh, is one of the most overrated films of all time. I would agree with that. <laughs> but I do like Dario Argento. I just don't like that movie. Respect. I mean, like, I, I and all love for people to get something out of it. I just don't. I've tried twice and I was like, nope, still don't like it. <laughs> I, and I, I don't like Jallo either as a genre. I think it's boring and stupid. <laughs> Follow what me for more, goblins? <laughs> for more opinions. <laughs> goblins fucking awesome. Goblin rules. They should have gotten like, you into this conversation with fucking... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's what we need is one more, one more loud mouth. Right? Yeah, you just <laughs> elbow NWR in the ribs. Like... <laughs> I probably would have put his body him. Okay, so what happens next? You go to the editing room, and then Conan's like, "Yeah, what? You know, the, the editing room. Let's uh, let's talk about you know, Tangerine Dream. Good score." And then he's like, "I'm I'm trying to ask," and you're like, "No, shut up, NWR. Let's uh." <laughs> I'm a hundred. I, I don't want to be an asshole here. I, I'm I'm a hundred times better of an interviewer than NWR is. Thank you very much. I would I would also I would also yeah you are, but I would also insert Andy into that conversation so he can get real off. <laughs> did, 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 did you guys know that Spike Lee remade Old Boy? <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> old boy. It's old, but it's a boy. Wait, this is this is another uh there's no there's no place to like insert this. This, this is another this is another oh, hilarious, okay. hilarious moment that I found. This isn't when he snaps yet, but um but I think that that's it. But that tells you the difference between those dudes, right? Like NWR is making like a, he's making a sweeping statement about this, and Freakin's very quick to articulate let's not no no not, not not everyone no not everyone thinks that like and that shows where that's at which is he should be reading that social care again i'm turning this to a moratorium on this interview but <laughs> like considering like that they started off in agreement the in agreement that tangerine dream is awesome <laughs> old coin <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good, Stevie. Like they start off in agreement, like, "Hey, that got this this Tangerine Dream score. It's great." Did it inspire you? With oh yes, absolutely. Did like they're getting the good stuff, right? And then he just blows it by just like again, just don't say nothing. You don't have to say anything in that. Well, situation. and then that's the phony sentimentality. Even, I feel like that he's uh he, he literally <laughs> said he doesn't like sentimentality, and you just like. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like he was almost uh like kind of sub sub tweeting i guess in real life but like you know like kind of yeah. hinting that like oh there's a lot of stuff that comes out with a uh, phony sentimentality these days i don't like most of it and i feel like he's kind of at that point um kind of underlying that too nwr he's like yeah i don't that's different than my stuff i don't do that with <laughs> I, maybe i'm reading too much into it because you know I don't know. Well, but like, think about the movie they're discussing. Sorcerer is, is he's right. It's completely absent of all sentimentality. It's this brutal movie where terrible things are happening all the time. And it's like seemingly random. And like, there's no, there's, there's no, no breathing uh, room. There's no, there's, there's yeah. no. 
there's no oxygen because it's just it's relentless because like, like as soon as one truck gets across the bridge you're just like okay and also oh no oh my god, the oh my god there's truck. another truck i forgot yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's already on the bridge when it cuts to that scene it's not yeah you know, yeah you don't even get like the build up for it. it's like all right we're just going right back to the fireworks factory so okay. well and and uh you know when the second truck explodes which i mean spoiler alert i guess if you've made it this far you don't know that one of the trucks <laughs> a movie explodes. like as old as i am yeah it's it's absent of like a, a, a climax to it they're just kind of yeah. sitting in the truck and then all of a sudden you hear and the wheel gives out and then the truck goes down the foot like there's no moment where you're like um expecting like like this is about to happen they're just like oh that's how that's how death works you know yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's actually not... better than that because it is maybe one of the only sentimental moments is like he's talking about how his, his watch is set to paris time oh yeah the time there is whatever and then then yeah then the tire blows they go over and explode it's like one yeah. of the only sentimental parts of about it like this is not a guy that's in there oh my wife this my wife that this like at all i like the one time he talks about it they literally die well no more talking about you know your wife that's that that was his first mistake <laughs> lesson learned okay Don't talk about yeah. that broad you know I, I mean to be fair every time i talk about uh time in paris i explode so <laughs> um no but like he uh I, I just find it uh, just awesome that like it's the one moment where you feel like you have breathing room. Like he lures you into feeling yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're like, oh, you're gonna get a nice and... moment. These yeah. guys are gonna get to like, oh, cool. Oh yeah, so you know, you went to oh, I went to Paris once. You know, I was only there for a couple of days. Oh okay, cool. And they're like actually, and you're and you kind of get lulled into like, oh, it's some camaraderie. Yeah, this and, like, is finally, comfortable. Finally, they're and bonding then... after it being like extremely awkward the entire time. Uh, with yeah. the, you know, with, with the three of them and like with uh, Nilo and like you, you feel like um you're, they're finally they're finally warming up to each other. They've been through a lot, and then it's like you're and it's like ah, <laughs> what? Which which uh you know wages of fear kind of does a similar similar um, but you don't even like it's not. But, even but you get like all like, through he's, he's it. He's just shaving. Homeboy. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, but you get all through it them interacting and and you get um it's done as a slower boil that way. Like they, 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 they originally find common cause by being in this like horrific situation together and like having to work their way through it and work through their disdain of like the one guy. And like, it's a slower boil, but it hits differently. Cause again, freaking put, puts the emphasis on the background of these guys, not their lived in relationship. So you get some of the lived in relationship, but really what you mostly get is just people being put in danger in horrible situations that they have no way out of for, reasons that are just adventure and danger pretty much i wonder how i wonder how that scene of the paris scene plays in uh indonesia like <laughs> well, no because because like if you because that's the one moment where you feel like there's like actually dialogue going on where you're like oh well you have to I actually have to hear this scene to like yeah. understand yeah, they're finally where bonding, do they pause like, it like like you know is it before or after the tire blows and they're yeah. like oh fuck i missed it we got to go back <laughs> like <laughs> reverse the reel like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but, but yeah. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to. But I think that, that that's a key distinction, and I think that like in in his because his stated goal, or at least how he's uh, wrapping it up now in, in the more or less modern times, is that you know he wanted to be like that. It's this brutal world. Right? I mean, like look at look at the ending. You know, you think like, oh well, at least he's like haunted till the end of his days. But like one of the guys got through with it, and like he has some degree of, of hope available to him if he himself is fundamentally hopeless. And then you see the dudes coming in to kill him. <laughs> yeah, he, he also yeah, tries he, to get you to feel some type of uh, emotion or, or whatever for a Nazi. Like the, the guy that walked yeah, walk in. Like, oh, that dude's a literal Nazi. Nazi. Yeah. By the way, your buddy? 
literal Nazi. Cool. Yeah. Well, and that's why he likes the guy that's Palestinian so much. He's like, yo, you yeah. fucking killed people in Israel. Like, <laughs> he's yeah, like, I mean, there's not a single sympathetic character in the movie, except maybe the Palestinian guy, although he does kill a bunch of people. But, like, I, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, there is really. I felt. I, I felt um, a little bit of sympathy for you yeah, know. I, I mean, mean it's, I, it's a liberation struggle. You know what I mean? Exactly, like it's not exactly, like. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, mean, I was it, I was the Nazi. <laughs> it feels like that. That's not the point. It feels like he almost like purposefully chose a bunch of characters who you wouldn't necessarily have any modicum of sympathy for, because he's kind of examining. You know, like all with the exception of um, Nilo, who I feel like he's like sort of the odd person out. You know, you have. Well, he literally murdered someone to get in there. He wasn't even originally yeah. in the in the. Yeah, the literally a killer. Of the movie. But you, you have three <laughs> characters who have escaped certain death, but but they haven't, and they have no control over that at all. And Which is something that I I think that fucking uh, wages of fear does perfectly, and it, it's interesting. I feel like I feel like there's almost like a bar established by the final scene of Wages of Fear, where you know you've watched the entire two and a half hour long fucking movie. Like, and you're finally like, oh, well, this one guy made it and he's so happy that he made it. And he's, you know, driving his truck around and around and around. And then the truck just tanks off the side of a cliff with the blue Danube playing in the background. And you knew that was kind of coming, but he's like almost there. And just the truck just explodes. He's fucking out of it. Like, which is, which is a different heartbreaking ending than, than Sorcerer. But yeah, like no less of a bummer for sure. And, and it's, again, part, part of the reason why that works is that I think, Wages of Fear sets it up as like there are these long waits. There's just long waits of like, you're like, wow, anything could happen. If they hit a weird bump, this could blow. You get a lot more of that. Yeah. Whereas with Sorcerer, it's like, look at this crazy thing we have to overcome. And that's amazing. <laughs> and that's thrilling in a different way. But like, I, I, it's it's more about the cumulative death of a thousand cuts than it is about like any like one specific thing. Yeah. Um, so this is this is a this is a weird moment that I liked, and I don't know where else it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk down the yellow brick road. You you basically wasn't a yellow brick road. Well, it well, it must have felt you must have felt like Dorothy a little bit. I can assure you, I've never <laughs> felt like Dorothy. But the point is that you must. Today, it's not unusual for men to feel like Dorothy. No, I have a we Dorothy live in, in a different me. world. I have a Dorothy in me. You may, a... you may have a Dorothy outside of you. Well, Dorothy time. came out in cruising. But anyway, the point is this. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's, just, he's just seeing all the bridge out signs and just flooring it. Yep. Let's keep going. I like Let's the. Uh, I like the. Uh, the He's like, he's like, I have never felt. I, it was not a yellow brick road. I was on pavement, sir, yeah. and I was walking out of the editing studio. And this is something, uh, you know, I, I walked out of the editing studio. It was a road. It was not yellow brick. And uh, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm this, this is like the meme with the bird trying to do, to do the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, get better material. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a. Uh kind of it's kind of hard to see but yeah i but like like look at like this entire film right it's yeah it's it's a harsh toke man it's it's not like a good time at all and it's definitely it's not meant to be and and like that's that's part of it and that's that's like ingrained in like the dna of this film like it's not not a jokey good time the same thing happened to blowout i mean i I feel like you know from this period forward any like real bad time movie just got tanked you know 
Yeah. yeah and Blowout's amazing. I mean, Blowout's yeah. fan, it's, it's Honestly, it's probably one of uh, what's his, uh, uh, Travolta's best roles oh, in yeah. the whole fiction, frankly. Uh, it, but it's, yeah, that's a bummer as well. And I, I've, I've actually not seen the original, which I'll hang my cinephile card up at the door. So <laughs> I mean, everyone can know. So, wait, do you want to do like, the, so this is the this is the final snapping of uh yeah let's let's oh, in man. for a penny in for a pound let's, let's, <laughs> let's do it this is the uh this is this is the second truck blowing out of uh <laughs> of interview moments you you've experienced the last film you made was not successful <laughs> box office and with some critics so successful enough because it was cheap so it made money yours didn't that's the big difference. No, there, there's another difference. There's what you believe you have achieved with what you have done and what you haven't achieved. Oh, I'm like you. I have no regrets if I'd only got the gifts. I think it's a masterpiece, and it is. I just didn't make it very expensive. Is there a doctor in the house? Oh, God. We need to get a medic in here. Is there, is there a doctor around? <laughs> I just didn't make you, it. If you I, think I that's a masterpiece, what is Citizen Kane? It's great. But it's very. It was an inexpensive movie, so financially, who gives a shit? No, it does because that's how you survive. Because if Sorcerer had made a lot of money, your life would have been changed. No, but much. it didn't. No, no, as you say. No, not much. Uh, I mean, and frankly, you called yourself the wound that it gave you. It hurted you. What? The failure of Sorcerer back then. I would look there. Far worse. Than, I, I've recently lost a number of friends. That's what really hurts. Mm -hmm. I mean, who have died. But back then, you were so relentless. You were you would travel to the moon, which that's what I admire. But I guess the love that you feel, the joy, the flow of it being rediscovered that it was meant to do. Because we all all artists have vanity, and the idea that people are re-embracing what we do. And it's interesting that your films is reaching a whole new younger audience. And I still say, if you looked at French Connection, you know, The Exorcist, uh, this movie, Cruising, and so forth, it's like the movies were made today, like Killer Joe. It's like they never aged. That's a very unique quality to have. Oh, I like that. I like that he's. Uh... I like that he goes, uh, what is Citizen Kane? He goes, it, it's great. And then you it's see great. him it, it, just look yeah. at the camera like, this fucking guy. <laughs> and as yeah, this, flustered, his, uh, his Danish I, accent comes out in force. Uh, I can't this is the sweaty dynamite of the entire conversation, this part of it, by the way. This is like, no, no, that dynamite is like leaking. Don't, don't be careful. <laughs> Handle with care. Yeah, no, it, well, it really is like it's the two trucks thing, but it's like the, you're watching uh, this thing and it's like, the you, you, like, oh no, oh no, it's about to. No, it's, no, oh, I'm shaking, oh, oh, shaking. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what are you going to say, Adam? Say. No, I was just going to say, it's also like, I can't imagine calling your own work like a master, like, I, you you yes. don't have any objectivity at all. You're standing right in the middle of it. That's not well, for you to decide. The thing is that earlier in that interview, um, Freak says that this is like the one thing he made that he's like truly happy with. Uh, like you know, it's his favorite project that he's made. He th he thinks he did he did a good job, even if you know other people criticized it at the time. It's obviously getting re uh, looked at now, and if people are like, no, this is actually a pretty good movie with distance. But like, yeah. Um. So he's like, no, this is the one project that I don't really have regrets over. Um. You know, like certain things, but like, uh, you know, I don't really have regrets over it the way that um critics or something would say I do. And then he's like, and my work is a masterpiece too. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, and not only that, he's not talking about driving, he's talking about only God forgives, which is like, yeah. <laughs> What's amazing? Yeah, no, that's great, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's but, no but what God forgives is the Sister Kane of uh, Ryan Gosling movies. <laughs> There, there's a great, <laughs> there's, there's, the there's a great letterbox one liner yeah. about only God forgives, and it's just I think God should rethink his position. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, respect, respect. But anyway, this isn't about NWR as, as much as it's, it's hard not to be. I, I yeah, like I mean, I get it. Like this, this is again in, in a world where there is not a wages of fear. Well, first of all, there would be a sorcerer, but like I feel like. Um, it's a really great film. Like if this came out like a year earlier, great. You know, th this would have been a hit. Like I, I, yeah, I, they, they would like, have opened it up to like... Jaws. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's another. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I'm saying, I, what uh, like it, it. What I'm saying is that like, and it, and especially if it just be called literally anything else, like almost anything else other than like magician. <laughs> like I mean, just something that doesn't apply. There's supernatural shit going on. It's not that hard. I Crux in the jungle. Call it. Give it the give yeah. it the uh, Planet of the Apes treatment. I mean, it, it's just it it's a freaking dark horse. I I actually had never heard of it until like ten years ago, and yeah. then you know I discovered the the score and fell in love with it, and then just I couldn't find it anywhere, and it's just it's been such a yeah. I, I heard I, the I, score first too, and maybe it's because yeah. we're music guys, right? But like, yeah. yeah, I totally was. I was like, oh, another Tangerine Dream. What's this movie? I know. Like, oh, and then I saw the, the I saw the the like the DVD cover or something. I'm like, oh, it must be some crazy supernatural jungle shit. That's why. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't know if you felt like he was just piggyback. Like, I mean, there had to have been like a subconscious part of his reasoning where he was like, well. You know, The Exorcist was a supernatural film, and you know maybe I can take yeah, that. Of track. course, everyone's gonna think it's a supernatural yeah. film. Yeah. What the fuck planet do you think you're living on, dude? Like, I mean, because again, can't help opening against Star Wars. Can't help that. That's just like that's like that just happens sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. But like you could have called this literally anything else. I, I also heard that. So basically, like, call it call it life is cheap. <laughs> you know, like whatever, like all oh, whatever doesn't matter. As he went like so drastically over budget. Um, a second studio stepped in. So yeah. basically it became like the product of two studios and neither of them promoted it at all. There's no marketing plan whatsoever. So like feel one, bad movie of the year, you know, because they, they, weren't, they weren't communicating with, with one another. So like studio, yeah. I don't remember which studio was which, but like studio a thought studio B was pushing it. Studio B thought studio A was pushing it. So that was part of the problem too. But like, I mean, if you go back and read reviews from 1977, like they just fucking tear it to pieces. It's it's vicious. Well, and it's because some of it, because he plays it like an art house film, right? Like like doing like the exposition of how these dudes get to where they are, where you're like, what is all this leading up to? This feels like this has been going on for forever. Yeah. And and then like you're then when they finally get there, you're like, oh okay, so like now we know that like all these are desperate dudes that are going to be there. <laughs> Didn't need to show all of that, but he does they, art house style because he wants to. He wants they, to show. They it. thirsty. You know, they some desperate dudes out here just trying to get some money. They're going to get some hoes, you know, but like <laughs> but... my remake of a sorcerer, Tyler Perry, a sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the scene of, of Roy Scheider looking at the uh, the ass of the Coca-Cola and the painting. <laughs> Medea, Medea's big truck trip. Licking his lips. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to bring the after parties back so we can get some of this out during the after party. But, uh, uh, but, but, but do you see what I'm saying with that? That like, it's like he chooses to show it. He chooses to show because that's the kind of film he wants to make. Do you see the like little things? Like, I just when, in the, he wanted like free travel. 
he wanted to go. <laughs> like in the in the the heist one, right? Where they they rob like the the church bingo game. The bride has a black eye. Like little moments like that where it's like, "Oh, Jesus. Like this is a rough world that, that we're in here." Like the fact that like you get to see uh, the French guy's business partner like shoots himself. Yeah. Which yeah. by the way, first time I saw this, like I I missed that part, so I was like is the mob after him? Like, what's happening? And I was like, oh no, he shot himself. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, 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 I just, this I just, PG, by the way. What's that? I just love that this is PG, by the way. Insane, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he tells his wife, he tells his wife, um, I gotta go on a business trip real quick. And yeah. just flees to South America. No, he doesn't even tell go his wife. for a pack he of tells, cigarettes. He tells the maitre d'. He's like, yeah. tell my yeah. wife I left on business team. or something. And he's like, here's, yeah. here's, here, I'll pay, I'll pay for the check. And it literally he's starts he's running and peeking out from behind the plant, you know, like just yeah. like, exactly. Um, and then she never saw him again. But no, I and they give you so much backstory. They give you a ridiculous amount of backstory for Roy Scheider's character. Uh, they do, and I feel like for the assassin guy, all you be like, oh, this dude kills people, and like that's all you get. And yeah. like, well, I feel like it's overweighted to, to each, Roy. Each vignette is like twice as long as the last. Yeah. The Roy yeah. Scheider one, though, like he's in that accident. You kind of feel for him in the accident. He gets away. And then he has yeah. another guy that he goes to that he's like, oh, well, I got to get out of here. And they get, and they get like, away well, because they're, 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 they're having an argument. You did a favor for me one time. You did a favor for me one time. So I owe you one. This is yeah. my favor to you. And it's like you don't get any information about what that favor was or the history of that. But you do now see that he has at least one friend. And then during that uh, insane visualization sequence at the end, it comes yeah. back and his friend is like talking, like pointing at him. And he's like, oh, I got a place for you to go or something. And it's like. You're, oh, you're gonna bring that back out of all the things that happened, like not the car crash that probably right. cost like like, like the stuff you barely remember from the beginning. Because like the, the big thing with that is, of course, in the heist, in the heist of the of the the church bingo game, right? That a priest gets killed, and so there's they're arguing about it, like and they're arguing, you know, obviously like it's an upsetting thing, and it ended up like wrecking, and then like there's the great like you know, blood and money. <laughs> Sort sort of like writhing around. I mean, it's great cinema. It's just it's like arguable if you need it to like know that like this is a desperate dude. Like I feel like you get you get like a sentence of half of exposition and you're off to the races. But you know, well, you know half of the fucking gangsters in New Jersey by the end of that fucking. And you don't need to know any of it. But the guy's like, oh, that priest was my brother, and this is my church, and he would come in here and kill my brother. I'm going to kill him now. And they're like, but he rolls. He rolls through it. And then, yeah, but then he's like, you killed the last few guys. This is, are you sure you want to do this? He's like, yeah. And then you see him on the dock talking. So it's like an episode like, of Sopranos. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's how so, I felt about it. Yeah. And, and it's paced like a Hal Hartley movie, frankly. I mean, like, like, and I said, you know, peace and love, like, but it's like, it's like, okay. Like, I get you want to show where the guy came from, but like, man, you could drop 10 minutes of this at this point. Like, and it'd be fine. Like, it wouldn't, wouldn't hurt thing, And you would still get it across, but he chooses not to do it. Like, he's basically using his notoriety to make the kind of film he wants it. What he wants to make is a film that does show that. And, and, and again, not even to give you most movies would do it to give you a reason to care about the characters. <laughs> yeah. Not this one. And that's not even what he's doing. He's just trying to show you more like darkness and horrific things that like happen. So if anything is to feel less empathy towards them, you're like, Hey, by the way, these guys suck. These guys all suck. They all like suck for different reasons. Even again, Palestinian guys, probably the most relatable. He literally just killed a bunch of people. And I know Forrest, you think it's okay because they're Jews, but <laughs> Zionists. <laughs> we say Zionists. <laughs> but like, but like, but that's what's so crazy to me is like he used the time 
to show all these backgrounds to give you less empathy for the main characters. Nobody, I think it's because that's the kind of movie you wanted. I, to the, the Israel-Palestine conflict that's like you know at this point I feel like is like a, a both sides thing, right? Like violence, like escalating violence. It's kind of interesting to use that kind of neutralistic frame where you're like, look, this, this yeah, is the violence well, going I, on between two different groups, and it's like you know there's no morality to it. And then, but the guy escapes. Like that's all you really have to know. But, but the thing is, like, like okay, he killed some Jews. Wait, was it was it a worthy killing or not? Well, like talk about like the the rich French banker's wife who's like writing this this movie. She talks about like you know this the this soldier, this philosopher soldier, and he's like, well, does he pull the trigger? Yeah, like because that's yeah. that's what matters in the end, right? And and that that actually is an importance because it's like, oh yeah, like that doesn't matter if he was like a philosopher or whatever. He's still fucking killing innocent people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, but, but I feel like, uh, like, but, but, but yeah, what a flex, yeah. what a flex to do that. Right. What a flex to be like, Hey, these guys blow. <laughs> Here's all the reasons why they're horrible people, but like, also like they're all just criminals. These are criminals. I think it's important to have the, the vignettes to, to have the backstory, but not, it, it's definitely, it's the least. Yeah, you, you do get like a season of the Sopranos with the one guy's backstory. It's like, I don't know who are these. Yeah, people? I mean, oh my god, this is the you blood need maybe feud. 15 minutes for the entire thing. <laughs> this is like, yeah. this is this is the blood feud that we've been engaged in for 10 years. And these are, <laughs> yeah. these are my 17 soldiers. We're gonna go after him, and it's like, oh, so that's what this movie's about. Nope, has nothing. First time I watched this was in a, in a hotel in Pasadena for recording a record, and like, I, I was like. I thought this was a remake of Wages of Fears. This is this like a gangster movie? Like what? Like I don't like like. And I, I was like checking my sources. Like oh no, oh god, I guess it's got a long extended intro. And then I was like, oh okay, I get it, I get it now. But Meanwhile, like, uh, Wages of Fear doesn't give you really any backstory. Pretty much, no. just like these are bums from Europe. They live in Mexico now, or you know, yeah. what I mean? like, live in, these guys in, all did shitty even, things, and now they're in this country. shitty place. There, there you like, go. Like, and they're like, doing a shitty Four job. guys from Europe. You don't know what part of Europe. I mean, the guys Mario, the other guys Luigi. Assume <laughs> Italy. Like you, <laughs> you, you know that, but yeah. you know that. Uh, you know, you know they're gonna drive trucks. Yeah, they're gonna drive. <laughs> 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 but it's like, but it's like they're bums now. They're broke. Uh, you know, and they're, they're gonna take. They're gonna take this job. They can't unionize, which I really liked that they they explicitly said. In wages of fear like hey we can't use unionized workers because they're not going to do this they have uh, laws let's just get these european bums that happen to be in this town for whatever reason after world war ii to do this but, yeah let's let although these, i do these, like the, the one line at uh uh the one line at sarsa where, where the guy's like um are you a teamster it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, greyhound driver yeah. He um there's also uh he had a falling out, I guess, with the Teamsters and the trucker, the trucking crew. He had to replace the entire trucking crew, who are the people like the backbone of this movie. Like, you know, the, like the movie's about guys driving trucks, and well, he's like, like he ends up firing all the fucking truckers and replacing them with new truckers. Totally different driving styles for all you know. Some yeah, truckers he, are like, some truckers are like, like flexing like this, other truckers are you know, they're, they're you know, like <laughs> some are going, some are listening to the blue day and you, you know. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and some listen to tangerine dream yeah um i feel like almost uh the, the opposite ending of, of wages of fear in breaking bad when you see jesse drive away at the last minute like he escapes from everything i feel like that's almost that's that that's that scene if he had lived like he's just so happy and like crying and everything but like yeah. they can't kill off jesse in a fucking car crash so that makes a lot of sense they didn't do that <laughs> if he just crashed <laughs> I made it alive, yeah, bitch! And he's driving, and then you see him hit a truck. <laughs> front on head gainer. What were we, we going to say, Adam? I think you had something you wanted to chime in on that. Oh no, no, just the freaking like alienated everyone on this production. 
And I think that that contributed to like his, his output, like the quality of his output kind of like, you know, well, nobody wants in, in steps with, with, with each movie. I mean, he just, yeah. nobody wants to work with freaking, well, he, he became radioactive. Yeah. You know? I mean, good reason. Yeah. And I mean like that interview. Yeah. It's just like, Two dicks just kind of, you know. <laughs> and, uh, two two dicks just swanging. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and again, as Renee, important... Renee Rune would say, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's amazing that the scenes that everybody thinks of, which is the crazy truck and the bridge scene, again, they uh, they did that on location and built a whole like appliance to like shake it and do the things that they needed to do. And then by the time they did it, like the river had totally run dry, so they had to move it to another river. And again, and that river's right up too. Mm-hmm. And then they had to basically like fake it, which it looks fine, you know. Like, yeah, it looks but they, really they good. did like some pumps. They used some pumps to push river water into like the river. Well, the thing is, the crazy. thing is, this movie just is so, do it on uh, a set, but that's not what he wanted yeah. to do, you know. Okay. This, this movie is so hallucinatory. I think, uh, you know, and, and and it starts out with the with the scene, which can't argue with the results though. That's but presumably is hallucinatory because of their challenges in in building it. Yeah. You know what I mean, like. But it sets you, it sets you up for when you're when you're finally watching the you know when he actually does start hallucinating in the fucking well, yeah like so when the, when the when the truck finally like blows a tire after he's like almost there and it's in that weird like uh, that section almost looks like the moon or something like it's all kind of yeah, crazy yeah. looking to begin with and it's it's, it's the moon it's, New Mexico who who knows the difference you know? it, it it looks like a Refn movie it's it's like yeah. you know almost got like bisexual lighting going on uh, <laughs> and, and then bisexual lighting I invented that. Sorcerer is the movie that invented by I, nobody did that but me. <laughs> it's a perfect movie. And the ref kid's like, yeah, well, my lighting was pretty. No, your lighting is not bisexual lighting. <laughs> if, if that's your lighting, what's lighting citizen? One of my movies is literally is called Neon Demon. No, no. He's, yeah, like, I, he's, like, he's like, yeah, the, the lighting's pretty good to Citizen Kane. This fucking guy. <laughs> but but yeah, but before we got on on, on that riff, like then he literally picks up the box and starts carrying it like the, the last couple miles right which is crazy right? and then and then but like you know which way is it go well of course he knows where to go because he sees a gigantic flame symbolic much right like he's like literally walking into the flame with with the with the explosives and and then like you know whatever like it gets there which is again remember all of this is because like it's costing them money to like not be able to operate and you, know, you can't fly it in because reasons which is dispatched in like one line it's not like 20 minutes like most, most the rest of the preamble yeah that's awesome <laughs> um, you learn so much in that one scene with the helicopter and he's like no the helicopter will shake and it's like well can you you know make it a little bit higher and he's like no we can make it higher but then this part's gonna shake and then we can't fly it and it's like yeah. you learn a lot about helicopters and fucking nitroglycerin yeah. and it's, it's just it's like boom 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 boom. it's like under a minute and then you're like oh okay cool that makes sense but that and that takes care of like you know what would have been the comment section back then of like versus like the entire first half hour of the film it's just, it's like ponderous it's it's like it's like the, the that scene in in uh, twin peaks of return where like the dude's sweeping up for seven minutes where you're like oh my god that's how i feel like i'm watching right now <laughs> well no one wants to copter anymore i think that's i think that's what we're <laughs> learning here I, but but I, I think it's yeah. and I, I think it's interesting that uh, you get the whole background on the nitroglycerin, and it's like, no, they didn't turn it because, of course, they didn't. This is an exploitative, not golf and western, anything yeah. but golf. You know, I guess Exxon Mobil or something. And it the, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't profit <laughs> them to do so, right? Um, that's the, that's yeah. The thing. And and also, they're just not paying attention to this stuff. They're just trying to get the results and then pull pull it out of the ground and then get it to the United States or whatever. Like they're not thinking about the stuff. And the guy's like, you can't do like this is now fucking explosive as fuck. Like you can't. 
you know, you can't just like leave it out and like uh like it's literally um it's crazy when he throws it and it fucking explodes. Yeah, and it's yeah. like um it's literally leaking out its ingredients. Yeah, yeah, the nitroglycerin's leaking out. Well, and but you get an idea for like how these dudes roll literally when they're trying out the truck drivers and like you know, he almost hits the kid at one point, and the guy's like, Whoa, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> Oh, but that's oh, that's good to know. Like you're 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 not going to slow down for anything, are you? So you're down to hit a kid if if uh. All right, yeah, that that'll also that'll get us there. was there ever any explanation as to why they store the nitroglycerin two hundred miles away from the drilling site? <laughs> the nitro shack, yeah, I don't. Yo, the nitro shack, dope coffee bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like literally like this little disembodied shack in the middle of the jungle. 200 miles away from seems the like there's a more convenient place expert, to look at the, the detonation expert has never actually been to the shack it seems like and seems like nobody the, has because the other does the cocaine leaking. thing like every cop does in the movie where he puts his finger in and he's like yeah this is uh <laughs> this know. is this is that pure raw nitroglycerin <laughs> yeah, he's tasting it yeah exactly so i, I don't i don't think stuff. i've had enough let me just yeah, let me get in, <laughs> put like, some on his teeth yeah you want to do letterbox one liners Forrest, I would love to. So, Adam, uh, Letterboxd, of course, is a social media site. It's a site for um, film lovers to talk at with and to each other about the movies they love, movies they didn't love, maybe the movies they stored in a nitro shack 200 miles away from the main action. <laughs> and, uh, of course, everybody loves talking about it. Everyone gets to have their say, not just Siskels and Eberts of the world. It's an open source democracy. Um, of course, best expressed succinctly not like the intro of Sorcerer, mm -hmm. uh, that is, uh, you know, working your chat well, five. It, it, it's best expressed as the uh, the Mexico guy, not as the French or the, uh, you know, the, the exactly. Roy Scheider guy. <laughs> more, more assassin, not a gangster movie in a bottle. Uh, succinctly, tightly, working your chat five and through the brick wall. These are the letterbox one-liners for Sorcerer. Let's go. Dirty jobs with Mike Rowe would eat this up. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I could see I could see undercover boss like that that one show you could put your boss undercover in the in oh, the God, thing and yeah. he's like he's like wait we're doing this and like because it's the guy you'd have to assume it's the guy that's nowhere near this you know what I mean in the United States like sitting there and he's like we're doing what with trucks and fucking night this is not safe. Also, with a, you know, with a big obviously fake mustache or something like <laughs> what like how do you think that fools anyone yeah. What are we? Some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be. What are we? Some kind of the suicide squad 2019. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but yeah, they are. They're, they're pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just accurate. Oh. Note to self. Don't rob the mob run church on bingo night. <laughs> it's true. These are, these are the life lessons we learn from cinema folks. Yeah, I, I just love too that like the bingo night happened right before that wedding. <laughs> yeah, it's like bingo night and wedding. Like, what kind of like a uh, like? Also, what, what, it was the wrong church too, right? It wasn't even the right church. Yeah, no, it was the right. It was the it was the right church, but it ends up being the guy's the the mob boss's church, which is not oh. the place you want to rob. And okay. he's like, you, he killed my brother. My brother's name was Tommy. We were born in a, in a, in a tiny town in a, you know, by, by the Jersey shore. And I just want to tell you about it a little bit before, you know, I go after this guy. Oh, he's gone. He's, I've, I've been doing so much exposition. He managed to get away. Must've been the right church. Must've been the wrong <laughs> night. <laughs> Great movie about life as a full-time freelancer. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we can all relate to that. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't don't worry, guys. I got a gig. What's the gig? I'm yeah. driving nitroglycerin <laughs> in trucks. But I make my own hours. <laughs> I can go on tour. Yeah. Oh, okay, and they're going to give me uh, wages. They're going to give me. Uh, I'm not unionized, but they're going to give me a, a, a nice wage. Apparently, that's my understanding. Would have been more suspenseful if there was traffic behind them beeping, trying to pass the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. It's like you again. How are we going to get? Learn to drive. He ends up stuck behind the fucking gangsters that are like trying to find him. But, like oh, they don't, they don't get oh, yeah. him. They're like, oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> and then after he loses the hat, that then that's when they recognize him. Where we're going, we definitely need roads. Holy shit. <laughs> Dude, and the road, I like that in both movies, uh, but especially in, in Wages of Fear, but like, but in this movie too, like the roads get worse and worse. And they're like, they, they show you like, no, the road gets bad here. Like I already know, like it's mapped out or whatever. Like the road's going to get bad here. And of course, they they one up that in this movie with the you know it actually has to hack through the jungle at some points. Yeah, it's like oh, it's literally just a tree now. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> this is how my parents said they went to school every day. <laughs> in the in the freezing cold, also somehow. Yeah, yeah. there was snow too. Jobs are the worst. <laughs> and that's why nobody wants to work anymore. Amen, amen. Those are the Letterbox one-liners for Sorcerer. Please follow Moving Extravaganza on Letterbox. Nobody wants to truck anymore over there for us. <laughs> uh, that, that's your host. I am Conan, Sweaty Dynamite Neutron. I'm all over that stuff. Uh, watching the highbrow, the midbrow. Take the Criterion Challenge with me. Uh, we can. That, that seems like a bunch of people actually started doing it after I mentioned it last episode. So you can follow along with me on there while we do that. Um, covering all the new movies probably more than other folks on here unless we cover it for the show of course j andrew greyhound world is watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to or maybe See, so you, 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 you 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 must that up a little bit you should have said speaking of the lowbrow <laughs> i thought that's where you go you're like you're like i watch the mid the midbrow the highbrow and you're like he watches the fucking lowbrow it was implied I, I didn't need to get to give you the uh, the the gangster explanation for that. Andy's uh, killed my fucking brother. <laughs> it was my church. I bought that church in 1968. Uh, yeah. You know, my family. Oh, had a little it was, bit it was money, a tough but... deal. We couldn't raise the capital. To... Oh my god, I don't care. Can we just get to the part with the truck? <laughs> Here's a flashback. Yeah, yeah. There's a flashback within a flashback. Yeah. Yeah, who the fuck was the editor for this movie? I, wait, 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 I, I assume... that... No, he had Billy Freakin edited it. I think Freakin oh, edited well, it. So. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, no, no. Keep it in. Keep 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 the uh, exposition. I think we need more of it. We should have that gangster say some more stuff. We should have that gangster give his family tree. Yeah, we, we, we need to do reshoots. <laughs> we need to do some pickup shots. <laughs> yeah. Jay Andrew Greyhound World, watch all the weird stuff so you don't have to, or maybe so you can. Either way, it's all right there, spelled out. And uh, there you go. Uh, Greyhound, take us away with the plugs, please. All right, you're watching us on YouTube right now, so please do those YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and of course, watch the video to the end so other movie fans can find us. And you also get that great Kona and Neutron song at the end there. Um, we're on various social media sites. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. Um, we're not on Grinder. Why did I almost say Grinder? Um, <laughs> hey, well, some of us might or may or may not be on Grinder. You, you don't know if we're not on Grinder. <laughs> Why Movie is that the way you thought of? Well, you, you Movie were like reaching for just pinged me. 
<laughs> it was true social work writer. I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a movie night in my area. <laughs> it's it's so swaddled. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're on a lot of social media sites. Um, oh yeah, is that your recovery? Oh yeah, we're on a bunch of different social media sites. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good, real good. Yeah, it's all um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Hive, uh, uh, Mastodon. Um, anyways, maybe I'll just move on. We have a Patreon. You could uh, you could support us over on Patreon. That way, um, that helps this show run and me do the plugs like the beginning of this freaking movie and um, uh, help us uh, live. Yeah, fi- uh, but fifty you- more patrons and the and the plugs will become more professional. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and you but that's what it takes. he's doing this is a bit people it's a long game <laughs> oh, well who knows by the time we get 51 uh 50 people i'll actually be better at this dare to dream maybe yeah. there we go there we go but yeah if, if you do join you have access to all of our after parties whenever you want to you can go back and be like what did they do for the muppet movie and then you'll listen to it like oh my dear god i remember why did i yeah. do that that was a wild one. Yeah, that was. I'm a um, yeah, I, I think it was Smasher Pass with the Muppets. <laughs> it, was. it was. It was. It was a wild night. Uh, but Conan, uh, you got Protonic yes. Reversal this week. I do. Uh, Martin BC, um, legendary producer That's... engineer. See, Adam knows who he is. Herbie Hancock's Rocket probably is the most famous thing that he's done, but like classic Sonic Youth records. uh, Yep. I had ran a record with, uh, ran a studio with Bill Laswell and Eno. Yeah. And a really, really interesting guy. New York um, legend, kind of uh, the guy who recorded all the no wave bands and stuff. Uh, Really interesting fella. That's awesome. So you're you're interviewing him? Yeah, he's on the show this week. Oh, awesome. I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah, yeah, that's on Thursday night uh, on uh, Conan Neutron's uh, YouTube channel. Yep. So So turn this off. No, because look (laughs) (laughs) on the Protonic Reversal channel. My channel is like there's like 20 people subscribed to. I never put anything on it, but like yeah, the Protonic Reversal channel definitely subscribe to that. Yes. Yeah, there's also lots of great interviews too. If uh, uh, and trust me, Adam, you're going to want to check out some of these interviews that that he's done. He's done 300 uh, over 300 episodes, and there are 318 this week. Yeah, so some absolute bangers from, um, you know, uh, Jerry Casale uh, has been in a Zero. few and um, uh, yeah, I, I said, like everybody from the Melvins. Yeah. Really uh, yep. T- uh, Tony Visconti, uh, David yep. Bowie's wow. producer has been on James Williamson of the Stooges. Um, it's been a lot. I've been doing this yeah. show for like nine years. <laughs> no, no, That's it's what really I'm saying. Impressive. So when I see NWR just like <laughs> fucking blowing it, I'm like, dude, <laughs> like. Dial it. All you gotta do, all you have to do is dial it back. He's a guy. That's Conan, uh, Conan actually did the first podcast. You know, you know, <laughs> your early listeners were, uh, you know, they were they were listening to Vitrola at the time in the in the it, thing, and they're like, I, I forgot, I got this new thing for the Vitrola. I don't know. It's called a uh, a, a podcast, and they're like, I'll turn it on. And they're like, 
<laughs> like, it was oh, in the first hour of this podcast, actually, that we uh, that we talked about that. It was all the backstory that uh, you didn't get to <laughs> No, and they're like, they're like, oh, he's having on the uh, the guy that wrote the Entertainer, the the rag. It's <laughs> <laughs> Scott Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, someone, someone you thought of that that uh that melody? Da, 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 da. What went through your mind? And he's like, that'd what? be a good that'd be a good bit. Like somebody putting a seventy eight with like the the stylus, like the big bulby stylus down, mm-hmm. and they move the the ear over. And like you hear the shh, it's all scratchy. That's a good bit. It's like when I when I come up with music, there's only one there's only one thing in mind: broads dancing. If the broads <laughs> get up and dance, I'm happy. Sometimes they even show their ankles. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real the real name of the song is the ankle tainer. And, and, and then and then you have to change the 78 to hear the next part of the interview. <laughs> and then you just have like the sound effect of just just the changing of the 78. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear let's hear a sampling of his music. Oh, change it again. <laughs> it's like the whole no music time at all. Anyway, whatever. That's that's a good bit. Proton Reversal, everybody. Subscribe to it. Also on all the regular podcast platforms as well. It's called Protonic Reversal because you had to reverse the uh the 78. <laughs> exactly. You gotta flip it over if you want to hear the yeah. rest of the interview. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And of course, yeah. uh, you know, you're you only gonna hear half of it if you watch the first. It's, it's, it's like just watching the first part of this and think it's a gangster movie. This is uh, this is this is side A. Side A is just his Conan's introductions about you know what the show is yeah. about. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's, that's a little bit <laughs> Um, but yeah, also Bandcamp. Uh, yeah, Neutron Friends on Bandcamp.com. Oh, yeah. You get uh, all of Conan Neutron's music, uh, and also check out Action Chief also on Bandcamp. Uh, I don't remember. Is it as action just the, just the solos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't but, have any of that stuff handy. It's all like over there. Side of the room, that's so. fair. That's fair. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's all available. There's t- uh, tour t-shirts and stuff up. Uh, yeah. And we got these art prints for action chief, but um, I think I showed them on the episode Tony was on. So whatever, that's fine. If, yeah, if, if yeah. you like action chief, look like which nobody be like, what's that? <laughs> yeah, if you like solos and you wanted just solos, all the you'll time. be disappointed because that's not what this is. It's a clever title. <laughs> <laughs> the record's called "Just the Solos," Adam. That's, that's yeah. You get a uh, you get a one star review, and it's like I came here for solos. I wanted yeah. just solos. This is this not is... just solos. This title is misleading. I'm leaving one star heads. for that. I mean, the music is good, but it's not you know all solos. That's what it I. This wasn't what I expected. <laughs> no stars. <laughs> it's kind of like when you uh, when I watch Sorcerer. And I assumed it was going to be a sequel to The Exorcist. I thought this was going to be about sorcery, and it totally wasn't. It's about trucks. I thought this was the newest, uh, the newest J.K. Rowling ad- adaptation. Of sorcery. I thought we were going to learn. Yes, the Harry Potter and, and uh, I, I got to give myself credit for a fake bad review. I thought this was going to be about sorcery, but it was about trucks. I feel like that's pretty good because that wasn't planned material. That wasn't planned. That's a top of mind here. Thank you. I mean, I, I yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought that King's, it's funny because I always thought Maximum that King's trucks was about. <laughs> it's turned weird. around. Turn yeah. around on it. I thought Transformers was going to be a movie about electricians. And it was I, about transgendered <laughs> folks. And I was totally disappointed. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a movie to help them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, they made uh, Transformers woke. They're changing genders now. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have a Adam. bunch of tour dates announced later this, this uh, month, including Caterwall. Caterwall uh, yes. Monday is a Caterwall announcement. So, that of course yeah. this is yeah. all cat. It's <laughs> all cat concert series that uh, you know it happens at a, a oh, feral yeah. colony, well, which is happening right now behind them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yo, they praising your stuff on cat Twitter. <laughs> They're both looking at me like. 
Yep. Well, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, oh, I need to yes, plug yeah, Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to plug Adam um, yeah. because Adam needs to be plugged. And yeah. uh, y'all, y'all definitely need to well, check out uh, Adam's why, why did you, album. Why did you say it? Why were you like, this is the way I'm going to say it? Did you think about that? I don't know. Did no, I didn't it? think about that. Do you think the, I think about anything in this segment? I just, I just opened my mouth and let words come out. Oh, I think yeah. we're all thinking about when it's done and when. Oh okay, yeah, plug yeah. him up. Oh yeah, plug. Give, give him the plug. I, I, I got some holes and they're leaking. So come on. <laughs> see this is if, if it had been andy's other other friend that was on the show you know i would have said that and then adam would have quit the, <laughs> left the podcast. wait was that justin or no uh, no, no, no no don't worry about it don't worry no, it's harrison ford he talked about before the show yeah it was uh, harrison ford yeah. it was his buddy but but i wanted to mention your album music for no tomorrow which is phenomenal uh i don't know how you did it but like for the past couple of years, every year you've put out an album even better than the previous one. Like like that's nuts. Oh, man. That's pretty great. Um, you can barely remember the band name for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I appreciate when a guest has like an album because I you know I put it in the intro, which the intro was the same recording I did for Quiet Earth when we <laughs> did that. That's why it was so close to the microphone. Oh, I was trying man. not to do Quiet Earth. I was trying to do Loud Earth. But no, but I like I like what you can that's be like. Good. Yeah, yeah. I like what I could be like. Go listen to their album right now. You know. I like that little plug. The, but yeah, the I, audience I, doesn't, I but it's nice to be able to do that. <laughs> the audience is like, get to the conversation already. Jesus. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's still pretty fresh. It's, only, it's like, yes. I mean, it's like a year old at this point, but it came out, what, like a month ago? A little over a month ago. Yeah, yeah. And it was like number one in eight different categories on that Bandcamp Friday. I think it was for is, like six hours. But hey, you know, that's whatever. That's, still, it's six awesome. decent hours. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My albums are all uh, number one in this household. So. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, album listing off. Let's go. <laughs> um, I want I, but, whichever whichever album makes the broads want to dance. That's the one that I. <laughs> I hey, whatever makes them show a little little calf. Little yeah. Animal, you know? This album is downright pornographic. We're gonna be working blue here. Hot snakes. <laughs> uh, I did want to also tell people to check out the movie Caucasoid, which uh, you have a part in. <laughs> Uh, you do. I, it sounds like a classic, Andy. What the what? But like, this is actually relevant. This is one, one of yeah. Uh, yeah. This is actually relevant. I know. I know you've been wanting to say that for so long. Yes. And when I first heard that title, I was like, "Oh God, dude!" Because uh, yeah, it's like the sorcerer of whatever that movie is. Well, <laughs> yeah. Only it actually does make sense. I didn't realize the Caucasoid is an outdated derogatory term for like white folk, like a white dude. Really? I want to um, start using that. Had no idea. Okay, now it's, they, now they take you down. You say, you say you can't say that on the Twitch. We're on the Twitch. You can't say that on the Twitch. You get banned. Get demonetized. I was going to say the C word, but you know, after my jokes earlier, I don't know. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, you can't quote Devo songs anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're, they're they really. I'm, I'm censored. I Wait, wasn't say... Gerald just on here too? Yeah, yeah. Jerry yeah. was on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we got I coaxed him into telling that story, which yeah. basically amounted like he said something on Twitter and got banned. So it wasn't that interesting of a story, but he still appreciate it. I no, know. I got banned for telling Tim Tim Pool fucking. No, I I know what it was. I I'm know, just saying. Like... <laughs> look, th th this is like the the backstory. Not, not everybody. Mafia. Not everybody. Uh, no, I was gonna say not everybody likes those tweets. You're wrong. Most people do, but not everybody. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, everyone likes those tweets. Everyone likes Stereo Argento. Every, everybody no, loves my tweets. Actually, well, no, no. Uh, not everybody, but I, I mean, they're, they're good tweets, but not everybody likes them. Yeah. Well, it's mostly Dario Argento's tweets. <laughs> exactly. yes. His tweets would be Instagram. Yeah. All pictures. Right? Yeah. Right? Hey. Look, look at this guy over here. He's coming up with the jokes. That kills on Mastodon. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so yeah. <laughs> Can we tell you, you people got, how to watch the... Caucasoid? I don't even know how. I... I um. <laughs> If hey, if you have something else to say for like the next minute, I can I can find out because I have no idea. Um, I don't think it's on YouTube. I think you have to actually. Um, what you want to do? You want to find his name is Nick Verdi, V E R D I, and he's on he's on Twitter and Instagram, and I think both of his handles are just like at Nick Verdi. Um, he'll just ask that guy. Does he'll that share it with you via like Google Drive or something. He's trying to keep it off of like streaming sites because he want, you know, he wants it to be, you know, as as underground as possible. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, but he'll he'll like theory of obscurity. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll just share it with you. Um, and... <laughs> he'll send you to like a a dark website where you can yeah. give someone some Bitcoin to see it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> You got to give Bitcoin to the yeah, online yeah. goblin, that, you know. Yeah, and, and then a silent film reel is sent to your house with a projector, and there's a Victrola with a seventy-eight that you have to put on. Mm -hmm. yeah. Honestly, that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, that, would, that would be hilarious if you if you got onto like a website. Like the only way to see it, you're like, oh, so I could watch it online, right? You're streaming. They're like, it's not streaming, but you go to this website, and then a guy comes to your house. It's well, he's not like a UPS. You got to you got to take a boat, and there's yeah, a he's, he's streaming. You got to go down the river. His, his literally, literally he thought he thought streaming was a what a thing. Yeah, like it, it's marketing plan is he's gonna send it to Charlie Sheen, like like the guinea pig movies, and uh, <laughs> like there you go, folks. Drum up some cross, but yeah, all right. So, 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 I guess slide into the director's DMs, I guess. Is yeah, the yeah, I don't, I don't think it's like on YouTube or anything like that. Um, yeah, or, or even like a paid site where you can like rent it, not yet. Um, I think his next movie, which I have a speaking role in. Which I, I don't have in Caucasoid. Yeah, um, you're just a corpse. Yeah, I'm just a corpse. Hmm. Yeah. Such is life. But uh, I feel like we have, we've had guests in the show like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm halfway becoming a corpse now. We've been talking about these plugs so long. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the live show, right, Andy? The oh give, yeah, give yeah. Them revolution. Yeah, give them a revolution coming up uh, January twenty second. Um, that's uh, in New York City. It's going to be uh, Ben Burgess, uh, Jason Miles, Sam Cedar, um, Emma Viglin. Jeez, uh, you think I'd know? Uh, 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 Matt Leck, uh, David Griscom, uh, and, and a few more people. Uh, gonna, including I, me. I'm going to be yeah. announcing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is new development. Oh, See, see, this is this is I force whole, whole show's gonna be there. Well, not yeah, yet, unless you want to show up, but we'll, we could probably find something for you yeah. too, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, all, <laughs> all of us are gonna be doing different things like to help out with the show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's gonna be an absolute blast. It is at the cutting room, uh at uh, uh you know, um just 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 a few blocks from the Empire State Building. So so uh if you're if you're around uh, the New York area, you wanna come meet me, uh see a bunch of Really great podcasters um, talk about politics for um, 
a couple hours. Um, hey, there, there, there's uh, something to do right there. In, uh, in old New York, New York, which they say is a hell of a town. Yes. <laughs> I, I heard that on Conan's uh, on Conan's famous uh, 1930 uh, you know interview. <laughs> yeah the first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Some people want to escape from it, not me. <laughs> that was I Monday. Do. I I wanna I wanna escape from it. That's why I watched that movie and took notes, and because of a podcast. But I mean, fuck podcasts. I was trying to escape from New York. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there uh, filming it. Yeah. So you can come by and meet the whole crew. Oh. You meet the crew from this one. You can meet the crew from the other shows. It's going to be fun. You meet everybody. Don't put a drink down on my uh, equipment table unless you're Sam Cedar. And don't look (laughs) me in the eye. (laughs) I'll just, I'll show up and beatbox between each. Yeah, yeah, why not? Apparently it's a variety act. I'm I'm like, what am I doing? All right, sure. I'll do that. I think Jason would be down with that. (laughs) Just let me know. But, um, but yeah, so are we going over to those final thoughts? All right, oh, you're hosting, well, so maybe we are. Actually, I have one. More, I have one more twenty second clip to play that I that have oh, uh, Billy Freak well. and then and then let's go to the and then I have a, a I have a musical number that I uh, put together. I'm gonna be doing tap dance. NWR just stepping in it. All right, this is the this is the final one before we go to final thoughts. Five. Would they have financed the movie with an unknown actor? Do you think? No. Okay, so you needed a star. No, he Roy wasn't a star, but he was well known. Right. Okay, but you wouldn't have, you couldn't just cast your neighbor. Well, who would anyway? Why would well, I cast my neighbor? Would. He was a schmuck. <laughs> I wouldn't even give him a cup of sugar. But the point is that you are still in a situation where you needed a certain cast. Amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't even give my neighbor a chance. He was. He was about to give his neighbor a backstory. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, after seeing that interview, I'm like, is NWR on the spectrum? Maybe. Like, no, I, like, I, I was going to mention that. No, absolutely. He doesn't seem he to is. be able to read social I, I, cues, actually, right? I, I read that he's he's colorblind. Um, that's amazing because like his like all his movies is all bright neon colors. Right? I mean, that's that's one spectrum that he's not on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the the well, yeah, because the, the reason that he does that is because he can't see the colors otherwise. So it's 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 that's crazy because that's like his whole aesthetic. Like he's kind of yeah. like the guy that does that, and like it's, it's almost like an I can't make cinema anymore. I lost my color like, guy. Yeah, you ever see a colorblind painter uh, do their thing? Like, like they use this such garish colors, but they're they're fascinating paintings because like it's all it's all in the contrast. Right, it's yeah. different. He yeah. gets into a fight at a bar for saying his color guy, and they're like, "You're what?" And then they're, <laughs> they're like, "No, no, no, no! It's the guy that shows color. Like I can't see colors." <laughs> Uh, per- person of color. No, no, no! I'm against a Zionist. <laughs> like, this is my friend. He's a person of colors. Like he just. <laughs> but uh, Adam, I want to hear your final thoughts. Anything we didn't get to, or uh, you wanted to expand upon, or you know, just uh, you know, fate. You could leave it up to fate, I guess. So I, I actually hadn't seen this until last night, and like I watched it, loved it. <laughs> You know, um, immediately picked up on on you know the fate themes, and then I got really high before going to bed, and had a panic attack. Yeah, it took me like two hours to fall asleep, and then had nightmares all night. And I, I don't movies don't usually give me nightmares. I feel like this is this like perfectly tapped into like the kind of you know the existential hopelessness 
that probably uh um that i probably fear more than than nearly anything else and so i feel like it actually worked as a horror film better than the exorcist but hmm. <laughs> this, could act, though, this, could, this could actually happen like the, like yeah, they might yeah. actually put me in a in a nitroglycerin truck this is this is scarier than anything i could well, because it's it's just you know um obviously friedkin and who's the who's the who wrote the script he co-wrote it with um another screenwriter i'm trying to yeah, I can't remember. I, I remember looking it up, but I I don't think they did much else. And I anyway, um I feel like you know they made um everything that those four characters were escaping from, you know. Well like, well and green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and, and like their backstory. He wrote the and, wild bunch. Wait, oh, he did the wild bunch? Yeah. Oh, I wow, yeah. I didn't notice that. Damn. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I mean, you know, we're all the, the movie. It, it's also about it's it's about risk assessment. You know, like we all kind of uh, we hone in to like these sort of over the top scenarios that are never going to happen to us, and we place so much emphasis on that throughout life. Like, you know, oh no, I I don't want to get bitten by a venomous spider, uh, or I don't want to. You know, um, I'm gonna you know, most people have a fear of flying or a lot of people have fear of flying versus like getting into a, a car accident. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, yeah. Alanis Morissette last night and you know, I'm now I'm afraid of flying because I'm afraid of the irony of the plane going down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I feel like all of the scenarios presented in this movie, you know, they're pretty ridiculous and over the top. Like I said, it's, it's like, it's Murphy's law presented in the most, extreme almost cartoonish manner um but we're all doing that you know we're all like running from these things that we feel are you know gonna spell our demise and and it's never that it's it's always you know like when, when you're least expecting it you know like the tire blows out and you kind of tumble down the cliff and the truck explodes and it's just willy-nilly and it's whatever yeah, and it, it's kind of crazy to put us all on edge for that entire movie, and it's like so many things to kill them throughout it, and then like having these moments where it's like the one the one time there's any breathing space, that's the thing that does it, and it's like of course it is, like of course that's the way that it goes, but like um, but just to have it like like there's no great climax, there's no great or no great like um like you know they're on the bridge and then suddenly you know the falls off the bridge, it's just like oh the tire blew, like yeah. of course, like like of course it did, like I made it through you know this giant tribulation and then I'm going down the well, thing. You know, or like like Dominguez, like finally makes it through, and at the very end, just because he wants like that extra five minutes for that dance, his past catches up with him. It, that's like you know someone who quits smoking cigarettes after forty years, and they think they've escaped it, and then twenty years later, they, you know, they just get like. And the plane's like, yeah, the plane will like leave when you're ready to leave. Like, is like that's yeah. that's like what's and it's like, oh yeah, if you just had like left right then, you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, you would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's... But there's there's other movies that have tried to explore that, but I think this movie does it well because it's not actively exploring that, right? Like it's not like the butterfly effect, which I mean, interesting final concept, destination. Not a, like, but well, yeah, yeah, this like, is like not... a proto final destination. Yes, in, in a in a way, <laughs> you know. Except for they agree to the they agree to the thing that's going to kill them. It's yeah. not like oh wow, everybody in the pictures dying. It's like hey, we uh, we'll, we'll drive these explosive trucks. What could happen? What could go wrong? <laughs> 
I, I, I feel like Deer Hunter explored it a, a little bit. Too. Yeah, I could see that. And, and thematically, like it, it kind of has similar uh, overtones for sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's, I, I actually, I kind of feel like um, going on a freaking kick now. I'm just like, you know, rewatching. Well, maybe not Jade or The Guardian, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we watched, French we Connection's watched, great. French yeah, Connection totally yeah, yeah. fantastic. And, uh, I haven't seen The Exorcist in forever, but that, that's, I mean. Yeah, I I've, I've still never seen uh, To Live and Die in LA. So I have to check that out. And, and when you watch French Connection, then watch our Cloud Classic episode of French Connection. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Good. You will enjoy our uh, revisioning of uh, French Connection with Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> uh the fred connection the fred um, connection <laughs> i didn't even i don't even think of i thought of that, <laughs> that line when we were actually doing it <laughs> wilma <laughs> uh, classic it, it, it always based on the the chase scene where he's in the car uh chasing after the the subway and yeah, and but we, we imagined it with a uh, he has to do his feet. So Watch that episode to see how yeah, yeah. We yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna relive it. Um, yeah, because it's already two, over two hours. Um, you know, uh, Conan, let's hear some final some final thoughts. Yeah, you know, this is a film of casual cruelty where life is cheap, and it, that gets over in a major way. Um, you know, even if like you get. In Sorcerer versus Wage of Fear, you get less context about the company and less time with the characters to feel their desperation, but you do get more in the way of backstory, uh, which is what he wanted to show. There's a lot of dudes in peril. It's definitely dudes, capital D. Um, in Wage of Fear, there is actually Vera Cluso, which is um, which is also uh, the, the, dire the director's wife. He's, was, but she's awesome. But there's not really a lot of female characters here. This is this is maybe one of the most dude heavy movie heavy movies we've ever covered, and we've covered Predator. Um, <laughs> this film has a superior action by far. Uh, the trucks going over the perilous rope bridge is like cinema all time. And again, I love that it was so troubled to be able to get there because that just shows how much he was dedicated towards this vision. And, uh, you know, in his in his way, trying to surpass the original and, and do something different with it. Um, they're both wildly underrated and mostly underseen films, though. Like, let's not kid ourselves, um, even at Cinema Files. And I think yeah, that that's notable. I, and, and the thing that I think is interesting that I was reading about is he actively went to uh, the Dominican Republic hoping to, like, have, like, a Coppola experience as Coppola was filming uh, Apocalypse <laughs> right. Now. Like, his yeah. idea is, like, oh, we need to travel and do, like, a big a big yeah. travel movie. Like, that, uh, you know, because and then so but then this movie got released two years before Apocalypse Now did. And Apocalypse Now obviously has, like, the backstory of, like, running out of money and then Coppola literally losing his yeah. mind. But uh, getting he kind of lost his mind at the end of this because he had malaria and he didn't know. And like after the screening, he was like so yep. sick that he lost fifty pounds. He went to a doctor. Like, no, you've you've had malaria this whole time. <laughs> How's that dude still alive? Yeah, he's like know. an indie, and he like, he like made it through malaria. Man. Well, other so, people on the cast made it through gangrene. Fucking, there was injuries. The injuries got infected. There weren't doctors. Like this movie, like it's horrific. I, once I read the word gangrene, I'm like, yeah. it should be enough. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, Freakin' is great, and I'm glad this movie's been sort of rehabilitated and re-examined uh, by time. Um, it does a thing that, and I know it's not supposed to be a remake, but it, it does what remakes should do, which is do something a little bit different without changing what made it great in the first place. What made this in the first place is this is like a masterclass in stress and anxiety. So if you haven't seen either one, I would say definitely see Sorcerer first. Um, but take care, because both will put you under major anxiety. Uh, Indian's a massive bummer. 
here as well, but that fits the theme of the movie, which is just like excess brutality. Uh, if this had not opened against Star Wars and if it had been called literally almost anything else, I think it would have been a much more successful film. But it's a very good one. And it's I'm it's a super interesting conversation yeah, to have about it. And it's it's a movie worth discussing, frankly. Because there's there's a lot to discuss here, and that's without NWR just stepping in it for like apparently an hour and a half, which is what that interview was. I mean, I personally think uh, truck drivers <laughs> are the real sorcerers because they managed to get the packages there on time. But uh, you know, Andy, final thoughts. <laughs> you know, uh, I gotta say the graphic design on the logo of the oil company looks like a Nazi eagle, and yeah. I think that yeah. that you know, uh, allows the movie to say a lot more than it actually does. Uh, or the even the intro um, to actually says, you know, uh, where they give the whole mafia backstory. But uh, it, 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 they should have uh, just showed a logo. They should have just showed a mafia logo. Yeah, yeah. They just do the Sopranos uh, uh, logo just flash across the screen. It was like, ah, it's 1977, but I get that. Um, well, the the thing the thing about the um so the Trujillos were like the brutal uh, kind of Nazi inspired fascist dictators of the yeah. Dominican Republic. So he's basically like uh, he's basically just saying, like, "Yo, Gulf and Western's a fucked up company," while using all of their facilities to fucking film this. He's making that same uh, reference point, which is like, dude. You're getting real close. I love it. You're getting real close to the and line. It's even, <laughs> it's even more overt in Wages of Fear, but like with like like less uh, personal yeah. animus. Like it, it's 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 pretty wild that that's whole. Well, it's like it's like it's literally that. remaking uh, Wages of Fear, which is a very like anti Gringo company movie, but it's doing yeah. that with uh, you know Gringo property <laughs> to be like yeah it, to use the actual <laughs> places is kind of wild, right? Yeah, yeah I, I, and also uh, something I forgot to mention too, much like Escape from New York, which is just like one of the all time great just like hey you know what this is like with the with, when you read the synopsis you're like are you gonna like this movie well here's what it's about oh my god that sounds great i mean when you think about like are these are like desperate men trying to like move dynamite through the jungle <laughs> like you're like what that's crazy bombs on a truck that's all they needed to call it <laughs> it's called bombs on a truck it would have made tens of millions really freaking still movie bombs on the truck <laughs> oh, so also that eagle logo was lifted directly from the logo for the company that the main financier of the movie. Yeah, Gulf and Western. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, oh. Okay. All right. So the uh, yeah, and they own Paramount too, which he's now. So he's basically shitting on the guy that owns Paramount, like right. which yeah. he's going to need to finance his next movies. But he's like, I'm Billy Freakin. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a golden god. I'm NWR calling my own movie a masterpiece. <laughs> but uh you know i will end this episode with uh even if you don't think you need to, you need to join a union you absolutely need to join a union <laughs>